The D and Davis Show. D and Davis Show. We got a lot to get into. Coming back to the sports after a terrific D and Davis to flip with Montez Allen. Yes, yes. Two Z's. Montez has gotten his condo down there in Macon. I saw on the Twitter today. Oh, he's down there. Yeah, he's down I there ain't already today. So, or may, he may he not be he may not be down there, but he may have just gotten they faxed it to him. That's what's up. So shout out to Montez. Continue following Montez, and it was a terrific flip. Yeah, it was uh, with us all of us guys. Tony was there. Uh, so proud of him, man. Yeah. So make sure you just continue to to rock with the flip. For our um, other side, I know that one's kind of was a sports show. For, so sports fans who don't necessarily listen to the flip, that would be a good episode to listen to. We kind of do broach sports occasionally on the flip, but we try to keep it to everything else, even though because we do this show, we always bring it back to sports. Yes, yes. Uh, we got a lot to get into today to help us with breakdown what's happening in the upcoming finals with the Golden State Warriors facing the Toronto Raptors. An old friend of the show, Eddie Massinet the third, will be joining us to give us that perspective and also talk NBA. It was a lot of news about the Lakers today after our Baxter, Baxter Holmes article came out on ESPN.com. And then a little bit later, we're going to switch to the MLB to break down the Cubs and the White Sox. And again, friend of the show, Matt Snyder from CBS is going to join us to let us know what's going up on the north side and the south side when it comes to the boys of summer. I am Kenneth Davidson. The next voice you hear is the chocolate one himself. His name is D. Demonspero right here. Hey, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at D and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D and Davis Show. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, the TuneIn app. Uh, we're on Anchor. Uh, that's hit you on Spotify and YouTube. Shout out to Ryan for all that. Uh, hey, uh, also hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash D and Davis Show. Emails, D and Davis Show at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at Demons1, D E M O N Z E 1. Ken is on Twitter at on is Ken is on Twitter at that's Davis. There you go. Executive producer of D and Davis show and D and Davis to flip with Mr. Ryan Bukovetsky. See, I, oh, I like he it. didn't do it that yeah, time. No, no, but he I like goes Bukovetsky. Bukovetsky. I like throwing a little sauce on his name. There you go. Make sure you follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan. B. He Ski. doesn't like your sauce. What? What I like the sauce. There you go. What kind of sauce is it? It's mouth sauce. Uh, I've been hearing that kind of sauce on that last name for a long time. Mm. What kind of sauce do you like? <laughs> I'm a sauce guy. What kind so, of sauce really? is it? Man, you can't put me down one. Yes, one. How many sauces is it? How many I sauces mean, I, out there? I love now, some marinara. Sauce. Mm. You love love marinara? some barbecue barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't like chicken mm-hmm. marinara sandwiches. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, don't like I mean, marinara, really? I don't go crazy it's too over. too much, too much. It's, it, there needs something to cut it. It's, it's nothing mm. that, that, there's no... Um, Umami. What? Yeah. It's I mean, n- it's it not a balance. It needs something to, you need something to cut through that marinara when it comes to that breaded chicken patty. Foodie talk with Ken Davis. And Ryan Booker. Mayonnaise, <laughs> though. Mayonnaise <laughs> might be my go to. Oh! Love only, mayo on so many tuna. things. Only with tuna. Tu- on sandwiches, no, BLT. I hate mayonnaise. I don't get the black hate mayonnaise thing. I hate mayonnaise. Here, have a bite of this uh, sandwich. And how did you know I was hungry? I ain't ate nothing this morning. You gotta kill me! If you're going to pass in white America, you are going to have to learn to like mayonnaise. No! Sorry, Blackies. I'm not riding with y'all on that. I hate mayonnaise. I like mayonnaise. Listen, one thing that's cool, I don't though, like sandwiches like that, either. See, we could tell. We knew that. <laughs> that was clear when you start opening your mouth, buddy. No. Because anybody eats sandwiches. Tuna. You know how Only well... Tuna. Do, do, do you know? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Cindy Brown's here, too. That's it, Kid 80. 
Continue. Do you know how well your ingredients have to be to not use mayo? And that's one thing. When like you go to some of these sandwich places mm-hmm. and you taste, you be like, "What type of oil was that? There wasn't any mayo." But outside of that, you need mayo on every yeah. sandwich, damn it, really? that's ever made. Hell, and for that, it's just too dry. Otherwise, <gasps> wait a minute, Mar- Okay, so mayo or Miracle Whip? No, oh, mayo, mayo, no, no, Miracle mayo. Whip. What's wrong, Miracle Whip? I don't eat neither. I'm just asking. Miracle Whip is a, a funny joke that when I was a kid in the projects, it was great. Oh. But a real, a real person, that, you you don't want something that tangy, right? To interfere with your sandwich, like it's it's basically it's too hard. Is that that tang for you to enjoy whatever the hell yeah. the sandwich is made out of? To me, if you're a flavor connoisseur, you gotta go mayo yes. over Miracle Whip every Whip time. Is a joke, unless you're like making potato salad. <laughs> Illegal, a little vacation from yourself. Like I'm gonna try Miracle <laughs> Whip today. Oh, yeah, look at me, I'm in Miracle Whip land. Mayo. I only use mayo with tuna. That's it. But this is the thing. How can mayo? How can mayo taste bad, but you use it with tuna? I gotta, I gotta have some tuna. That's what. This but that's, but wait, wait, that's meat on the sandwich. This is with me growing my pops having the subways, and yeah. I like tuna. And I was like, what? You know? And I was a shorty too, so I never saw anybody like make make uh, make a uh, tuna. You know what I'm saying? My grandma. I never was in the kitchen with my grandma while she was making tuna stuff with my grandfather. So when I got to subway, about nine years old, probably about ten years old, I was like, oh, so that's how you make the tuna, and I'm fine with that. But put it on the sandwich. Don't want no parts of it. Same thing. Don't want no, no part of it. I can do tuna salad on a sandwich. Yeah. Let's say oh, you're constructing a sandwich at it. home. Okay. What's on there? I don't like sandwiches. So you're just not, you don't make a sandwich at nah. home? So Peanut butter jelly sandwich as far as I go. Oh, terrible. Clearly <laughs> you a grilled wouldn't. cheese sandwich? Clearly you would not like mayo. <laughs> like Anybody that says, I don't like cheese. sandwiches. I don't like sandwiches. That's the only thing you put mayo on. Unless you're making a sal- some type of tuna salad or something. Yeah. So if you don't like sandwiches, leave our mayo you, conversation alone. But I'm sure you would have some people out there that put mayo on some of everything. You know you always had them kind of people. Oh, I like to put mayonnaise on this. Like yeah. the French mayonnaise instead of ketchup? I like yeah. honey mustard. Yeah. I like honey mustard with my fries. Mm, you yeah, always ask for like some that. honey mustard will be out somewhere. But the key is a sauce with the fries. Because I'm a sauce guy. He barbecue, offered you mouth sauce. sauce, though. Mouth sauce is the best. That's why. I would take it. the best sauce? Mouth sauce. Is the There's the only best. one thing you can put mouth sauce yes. on. It could be the oh, best what? sauce, and it's only one thing fried you put food. it on. Fried food. Not yeah. fried food. You, fried food. I don't want, I don't want mouth sauce fish. Oh, good mouth sauce on no. a catfish? It, Fried catfish? I eat it all the time. But Taco part, Bell mouth sauce. Part That's of, <laughs> no. Part of, part of the, the best thing about Fried fish is the mm-hmm. crispiness of it. It's still crispy. Not with mouth sauce. You don't have to drape it over. You don't gotta douse it in it. Just give me a good lid mouth sauce. Little tartar sauce on the side. Ooh, that fried Thank you. catfish. Mm. Fried Maybe it's some hot sauce. No, we're talking about yeah. hot sauce. I don't like hot sauce. I don't like hot sauce. I don't like hot sauce. Okay. Man. This needs to end. I don't like hot sauce. I don't like hot food like that. I just got around to using a crushed red pepper on my pizza. Wow. There you go. Dang. Just got to that. Yeah. Wow. I'm not a foodie, dude. I've been putting. <laughs> Crushed red pepper in my <laughs> eggs since I was nine. <laughs> right? Like, hey, I don't, I, don't, I don't do hot food like that. I'm not a foodie. It's, it's, it's there, I eat it, I eat it. Yeah, that's we, about we it. get it. Sorry for breaking everything down. I ain't breaking down. You did. How? Because we were enjoying Hating on one of the most tastes. beloved condiments hot in sauce? the history of mayo. Really? It's hot sauce. Mayonnaise. Oh, Are you man, a mayo guy? No, I am not. I'm not a hot sauce guy either. Thank you, Sydney. What, what are you, man? Mouth sauce, and it goes on Harold's chicken. That is it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Chicken. Look at this. But wait, what are you putting this on? Black ass side on this over here in this boy. I put nothing on mine. I used to when I was little, only because that was because of my mother, but since I've been growing up. So you disrespect nothing. your mama? No. Because she taught you away. <laughs> she showed you I'm something. a grown ass man. So <laughs> she showed you the right so way. I do it my own damn way. So you way. just eating dry sandwiches then? Yes. Mm. Now, no jardinera, no nothing? No. No oil? Mm. No. What the? Oh, yeah, no, see, oil on a sandwich? Hell 
Oh, there's yeah. got to be sandwich. some liquid. Yes, like a, I think about it for a second. Olive oil. Let me tell you something. I will say this though. That sandwich artist you should wear on a t-shirt. Uh, I mean, a polo at Subway's. I am a sandwich artist. I will hook your sandwich up. I can make mm. it for you. Glenn. Oh, I can make it for you. No, you can't. Oh, yes, I can, brother. <laughs> Been plenty of times. A young fourteen, all, oh, young fourteen-year-old summer at, at Subway on seventy-first and Western. People come in like, "Where's that little short guy?" Look, oh yeah, I want to make my. Let sandwich. me hurt this sponsorship. I would do like three. I would do like three foot longs in a row. What you got? I can, I can Let cut me hurt it like this in a year. Flip it open. Mm, 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 Subway mm. sucks. <laughs> you know what, I don't eat Subway. Thanks, Mr. I made these sandwiches and I, I can eat. make them, though. I don't need the trash. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I Nobody mean. Nobody that's a real sounds person, the first thing, they'll be like, man, I'm about to buy this Subway. Yeah. Subway is like. Bottom of the totem pole. Yes. Like entry level sandwiches. Yeah, I'm not saying that. Hey, it's like entry a level Supreme sandwich. Hoagie. So when you tell me I can make a Subway sandwich, it's like telling me I can get that Yugo running again. Hey, yeah. I'm telling you this much. I got $5 going to Subway. <laughs> I, I, now, listen, I remember when a, a ham and cheese, no, a cold cut. Combo was a dollar nine cents. Hey, a dollar nine. I know that was rancid meat. That <laughs> oh, was good meat. It was that, bologna. That meat. It was bologna. Thank you. Straight from the back of the truck. Bologna salami. I was like, hey, is that you, Luau Dang, selling this meat to me? No. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, fraudulent meat. <laughs> Thanks, Danny Ferry. <laughs> oh man. Hey, listen, I love Subway. Help, help me put put me through college, but uh. But no, nah, man, a good sandwich. I could. Well, I'm telling you, dude, I could hook you. You don't up like up. sandwiches. I'm not a sandwich. I don't. Guy. That's I like don't, a a, 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 a barber with dreads. <laughs> nah. <laughs> like, that, that, you. That when is, the last time you lined yourself that, up, bro? That is terrible. No. What about a what about a ball a ball person? I know he has to still shave himself. Well, that's easy though. You just shave your head. Still, I know what, he's what, practicing. What, what about a woman? <laughs> Yeah, I've, had, no, I've had a woman. Okay, I'm right. I'm not that type of dude. Oh, I'm just asking. I had a woman that she used to kill my line when I was in. Uh, Maybe it's in high school. I've had at least I've had at least two women barbers for an extended oh, amount of time. I want to ask you, where'd you go for haircuts at Southern? Students' rooms. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, uh, that's Cap- what I used to do in Northern. It was a Kappa named Breeze. Man, he 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 used to had this joke about sleeping with the brush. He was Mister Three Sixty. Uh, so if you can get Breeze to do your hair, what does that even mean? Oh man, that's he, how you got your three. His oh, waves. his waves. Okay. He was like, you got to sleep with that brush, right? Wake up. It was a Kappa <laughs> name Breeze. <laughs> it was a dude, a brother in University Hall, who used to cut us up initially. So it was a uh, fine. Or I'll be coming home. I felt my my father uh, was sick initially, so I was home, and then I was taking care of my grandma and my great aunt. So I'll be home at at least every other week. Damn, from Southern? Yep. From Carbondale? Because how, how was I just wow. going to be? I was, how could I just be like, yeah, you take care of that, yeah, mom? Yeah, Right? Yeah. Like, no. I mean, when I say at least, I mean, that means a lot of times I was home every other week, but I was at home at least. Wow. I was at home for, for the most part every other week. Maybe, rarely it was two weeks. Man, my mama didn't see me for months. No, I had to stay, I stayed on the road. When I got my own car, I stayed on the road. It'd be nothing for me. I'd probably do it in three forty, three hours and 40 minutes. Dude, it's like a six-hour drive. It's yeah. four. Four hours. I thought it was longer than that. It's you at the four. tip of uh, the tip of. Well, yeah, First of all, that's true. That's true. That's carbon. That's, I that's, was nineteen years old, so you was flying. That's at least eighty-five <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> it's nothing to see. Let's see how. And I mean, I wasn't a daredevil, but yeah, I mean, I still, you know, I don't drive slow now. Yeah, no. So I'm in, I'm old now. I don't drive slow. Imagine how I drove twenty years ago. Good lord! Everybody <laughs> put, on your, put on your seatbelts, everybody. No, I'm the first person to put my seatbelt on, yeah, and it's yeah, not yeah. even from. I don't get in accidents. And I'm thinking about that too. Going down state to Illinois, you're not you're not seeing anything. Nothing. Once you get two hours south of Illinois, not even two hours, probably an hour and a half. 
You ain't seen It's not even nothing. an hour and a half. Yeah, you passed like an hour. Bourbon now, yes. and that was it. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say right past Kankakee. <laughs> yeah, it was dead. Yep. Yeah, it is nothing. Mm-mm. So yeah, but nah, man. So uh, Ryan never been a sandwich guy. I used to put them in pockets when I was a kid. My father, my mother, do my laundry, find sandwiches in my pocket. Never liked them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why the hell would you put them in your? pocket? I don't know. I was a kid. All right. So <laughs> I give them away and put them in my pocket. My mom would say, what is this sandwich in here, boy? I, I need a feeding you. Look at sandwich pockets <laughs> over there. <laughs> <laughs> meaty pockets. Uh, uh, meaty pockets over there. I have my pocket. I have my pockets. Meet the beginning of my pockets. Meet my pockets. Uh, listen, turn on the television today and it let you know that we're in the lull in the sports world. The first thing that was trending was old Lakers stuff that we basically already knew. Yeah. Uh, Baxter Holmes from ESPN uh, wrote a detailed article about the miscomings of this past, actually of the past few two and a half Lakers seasons uh, since Rob Polinka and Magic Johnson were put in power as president and general manager. As you read this, what was the one thing that stood out most for you? DJ, you know this. This is what happens when you are a part of a bad team. The Lakers haven't made the playoffs in the last six years, whether Kobe was in uniform, LeBron's in uniform, whether Magic's in the front office, whether Genie's owner in the team, whether Rob Polinka's in tow. They've been a bad team. So what happens when you struggle? Everybody points fingers. Mm-hmm. It's CYA time. Each person is trying to make sure that their best interest gets covered for public consumption. Uh, one of the funny notes, though, of course, was him detailing how Rob Polinka had a, a genius, had, had some type of uh, seminar or whatever called like genius meetings mm-hmm. or something for the players. Mm-hmm. And while Dwayne Rock Johnson was there, the went on to interrupt us. I'm sure he does all the time with a, a Kobe story. But detail how Kobe <laughs> told him when they were going to visit New York to play the Knicks. Hey, man, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Ethan, what's his uh, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger, thank you. Heath Ledger, man. Ethan Hawke. How damn right you? I was. How dare you? <laughs> Respect the dead. Uh, he, he, he looked like he was really locked in in this movie that hasn't come out yet. Uh, could you hook me up with him, right? Now, everybody knows that Heath Ledger died was six months before the movie even dropped because that yep. was part of the thing about yeah. when we were watching like, man, because yeah. we heard about how he got locked into the character. Was it that long before it came out? Yeah, yeah. it was. Wow. It was. But see, time back then, it, yeah, it was fast because we were yeah, young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Even though it's still faster now. But it was funny, and you saw people sitting there writing. I even saw it on a NBA desktop. Uh, from the ringer because they were one of the first people to blow up that story and this was months ago mm-hmm. and like this is BS there's no way that this actually happened he was dead Rob Plinka got issues <laughs> for real uh, versus from looking like Rob Below yeah I was gonna say that's number one <laughs> <laughs> like, look at my pouty lips <sighs> blue steel <laughs> like, Rob Plinka is that blue steel over there <laughs> but uh, look I mean, this is a question definitely to ask uh, Eddie Massonette when he joins us later. What's the odds of the Lakers in the next three seasons making it to an NBA Finals? Slim to damn none. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> they got to have the basketball heavens open up and, and part, part of the ways of those, those clouds. And here comes either Kawhi Leonard or Anthony Davis. Well, from the sounds of it, Rob isn't going anywhere. No, he's got the power. And unless they reshuffle the front office, you're going to have to deal with that. Rob's been a good drafter, I guess, overall as a GM. But we don't know what he's going to be like signing free agents and all the kids he drafted. I don't know if any of them are a superstar. He's got a fourth pick in the draft. But if he doesn't bring in somebody, I I think it's over. Won't they? I mean, they're going to get someone. We just don't know if it's going to be a big enough star. Why do you say that? 
Why do you say that they're going to get someone? Someone's going to go play with LeBron. The question is, will he at least be on the top of tier B? That's the real question. Okay, so you are you xing out top, tier A guys, and that tier I'm A not guys will sure. be Kyrie, Kawhi, mm-hmm. and Anthony Davis, and that has to be We're not via Davis. trade. Three, yeah, three. That has to be via trade. Is Jimmy Butler an A guy? He's the very top of tier B. I would say A talent, but just the just him is a lot to deal with, and I think that drops him down to a B. Yeah, but I don't know if he's going to be doing that with LeBron. Yeah, though. LeBron, I think will elevate Man. him because but I mean, LeBron, because it's the thing, LeBron doesn't go soft. Like with Jimmy, no, he doesn't. And Jimmy, Jimmy Butler doesn't go that's soft the thing. either. But Jimmy really wants to see effort. Like if you lose, and not to say that Jimmy still won't be Jimmy if they're losing. But if Jimmy can see that you're giving it your all and losing, yeah, I don't think you. you get as much of a problem with Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. But even when Philadelphia, he's had to he's dealing with the growing pains of these players, and they may be doing as well as maybe they think. But it seems like even with him and Joel Embiid, they kind of had to work it out mm-hmm. before they kind of clicked and got it together. So I mean, I don't think he has to get. And of course, it's better to get a tier play a tier A person, but I don't think it's bad if he ends up with Jimmy and someone else. It's just do they fall into their roles properly? Exactly, that's what I'm thinking too. It's more so the roles and 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 what and who these guys are. I to your initial question, I don't think so. I look at just the landscape of the NBA and looking at these younger guys who are these tier A guys. They kind of want their own team, and they've won already. And they and yeah, they've won titles. So Yo, yes, that's in the situation was like, man, I, I have need to, to legitimize, like exactly. Anthony Davis. Yes. I'm trying to legitimize my career with the ring. Right. So let me go to someone who's done it before. And you have to get him via trade. And I don't want to rule out, although it's probably like a five percent chance of it happening, him staying in New Orleans, and they have a generation. Or we we think a potential generational player with Zion Williams. I don't think. I'm not saying that it's I'm going to happen. I'm not saying that you're wrong. You said 5%. I yeah, think that's I, fine. I gave like 5% chance. But see Trace McGrady in the Magic. Like usually, I mean, I think this happened like twice, kind of where the team got a high draft pick, a mm-hmm. young talent coming in, and the player had already said, I want out. And the player's like, I'm not about to try to grow up with this person. Right. I'm, I'm at my limit now. If I was at my limit, why do you think that I want to start? And it wouldn't be starting from the bottom because AD would be there, but still in his mind, it's not to where I'm tired of wasting these years. I want to get onto this to, part to of the my point. career. Yeah, and, and you're playing in the West, and you still have Golden State who's going to probably going to be some version of probably maybe the OG version of the Golden State. Maybe KD is just going ahead and stay there. You still have to worry about Houston. You have an uprise in Denver. You have an uprise in Portland. In the West is a lot harder. So if AD was to move, you think he would go East? Uh, and if you go west, yeah, you can pair it with LeBron, but I still don't think you're going to beat any, any of those teams. Yeah, I just, I just don't think they're there. And we're looking at LeBron James. Okay, he has another year in his contract, but he he opted for, was a three and one. It's three, three. Okay, three so, and one. It's three and one. It's, it's three and three. one, right? It's three years. It's basically how you should look. Basically, at it. right? So he just had his first major injury. You want to try to see if that doesn't continue next it's a season. Groin, it's a groin, though. But you just, but still, though, Again, like I said, like no one ended their career because they're growing. Like, no, 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 no. But the only thing I'm saying is, do you start to <laughs> the see? Hernia took me out. <laughs> do you <laughs> do you start to see him take a two week vacation? Not because he's LeBron it's James. He did it before when but, he first got to Cleveland. But do you? But do? You, but do you start to see him take a two week vacation because he has these nick and I think you want him to take like a two week vacation. Yeah, you do. But, Especially if the team is going but with, well. But, but with that team, but in that case, you want to see him do a two. Week vacation, you gotta have somebody there who can Good supplement yep. who can supplement the team. Yeah, you, was, ah, you just don't have that. Yeah, I was you was gonna bring up my, you brought up my next point uh while I was gonna piggyback off of Ken earlier. J- just with 
Jimmy along with LeBron is not going to do it. You need a, a strong A personality. And like Ken said, the team is going well and LeBron is injured. Okay, LeBron James, you take your time and heal over any injuries that you have. And then Jimmy and the other A-plus personality, their superstar guy, they can carry the team until LeBron gets back because Jimmy and LeBron alone is not going to get it done, especially with the teams you mentioned, um, D, in, in the Western Conference. This is not going to get it done. Jimmy Butler is going to potentially have problems with the rest of those young guys that are still on that team. And LeBron James, heaven forbid that he's injured again, he's going to say to himself, oh, damn, i got to go straighten this mess out. I'm already hurt, and now I'm going to have to play babysitter to these young grown men. I'm not going to have that. I didn't uh, sign up for that. I know so. I noticed something today, uh, and I've been thinking about it, but it hit me for sure. You're black Sid today, huh? <laughs> Ratchet Davis taking off. Why? Before you were happy. Now Mouse sauce on chicken. No, that's not it. I was thinking, Sydney, when you got here. No mayonnaise. When you got no, here, no mayonnaise. I was like. He, clearly, you are black, Sydney. You don't like the mayo. See, I'm not black like you. I love the mayo. You're black. But uh, look, this is what came on. When, it, when I don't have a jacket today. So we're sitting downstairs, and Sydney, your raincoat. I was like, oh, I like that raincoat, right? Yeah, it's nice. nice. And then I looked Very at nice. the. Yeah, I bought it yesterday. I looked. I, th- I thought it was brand. I said that <laughs> looked like fresh off the rock right there. <laughs> and then I looked at that hoodie. I was like, okay, you got your taxes, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, Sydney's out here showing him so clearly. He must be black. His style is, I mean, no, he's black Sydney. Hit that, hit that Nike outlet. 87 the Couch Groove? Is that he's Couch Groove? Yeah, he's he's on vacation. Was that a Nike coat? But, was that a Nike jacket? No, this is, um, excuse me for the free advertising, but this was champion uh, okay. jacket. So That's a nice jacket. I needed, I needed um, I'll, I'll just get into what happened on my Memorial Day on Monday. Oh, yeah. I was at the Sox game. Uh, it was potential of rain. Of course, we all saw what happened there. So I said, let me buy m- my rain jacket because I didn't have a backup. So let me buy a rain jacket. I'll take it to me to the game. Of course, I, I needed it, but mm-hmm. I was under an awning for most of the Sox game after the fourth inning. Of course, all the rain came down. Right, so, right. So, whoa! I, I saw your on. posts. You said yesterday was the day to stay home. I know he said he was going anyway. He told us that Saturday. I know. I, I he, he should have just been like, "Yeah, I'm going." But you know what? <laughs> I'm not going. I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> you're right in the Ooh. sense, but. I, I know I have a uh, different mentality than most people, especially what we do in this business. So I said, instead of whining and complaining, which I I don't have the energy to do, yeah. I said, I'm going to turn myself into a reporter. And so unlike White Sox Twitter yesterday and some of the other reporters that, that we had on the show, like Shay Pebble, she was out there yesterday from Fox 32 in Chicago, and James Feigen from The Athletic, who we had on the show before. They were, uh, they were basically tweeting out updates uh, better than the Sox people who mm-hmm. run uh, their Twitter department on, uh, over there. So, And I said, what the hell is going on over there? So so I started talking with a few fans and then um, taking pictures and videos and whatnot for my Twitter. And so I was I got more response from, from uh, anonymous people than White Sox Twitter that they were giving out information to their fans. Shots fired. Look at Sidney Brown. You bums. <laughs> <laughs> you bums. Sydney Brown here, reporting live. White Sox players weren't the only ones losing. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Lakers, in the next three years, they, they do they sniff a finals? To me, I think their best case scenario, the way it's looking, is if Kyrie goes there, or if Kyrie doesn't, goes with KD, then you get Jimmy Butler and you try to s- trade for Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. And get your superstar, get a That'd third. Kind of be a what, team are you, too. what are you sending to New Orleans to get Anthony Davis? You're sending what you're sending you before, but more. Lakers, you only have LeBron and I Jimmy. I mean, but other teams out there are going to have better packages. But this is a question. The real team that we're talking about is who? Boston? 
If Kyrie I don't doesn't know somebody sign, else come, come along and say, I'll give you the next four first rounds. I don't know. The problem is how many teams are going to give you all of their players if they can't, if that's not a, a, a destination that Anthony Davis wants to. So, You're I mean, conundrum. again, those teams may try, but most teams are going to pull back whatever they're going to give you if they don't have some type of promise that he intends to sign with them moving forward. So that t- that tenders the amount of teams that are going to be in it. Yeah. Oh, listen, they're they're in a, a tough spot right now, but you know what? It's of their own doing. All right, we're going to get into some more basketball with Eddie Masson at the third of ESPN. Basketball talk, uh, NBA Finals, Golden State Warriors, all that. Dean Davis Show. Hey, this is Rich Campbell from the Chicago Tribune, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. D and Davis show, and right now we have an old friend of the show. You can find him editing at ESPN. He's come through a lot since we've known him. He's the one, the only Eddie Massonet the third. The third. Follow him at Ed the Sports Fan. Uh, you, you listeners know him. We we haven't talked to him in a while. How you doing, Eddie? Hey man, I'm out here trying to champagne and campaign, man. It's the finals, man. That means my job gets harder and then a lot easier afterwards. So I'm here with you. A lot more fun too, though, right? I mean, of course, you know, and, you know, we get to see everybody in the Bay Area stressed out regardless of the wins or losers because they feel like the world's about to come to an end. They they could win and be sad at the end, which is hilarious and awesome. So I'm here for it. So let's let's focus on that from the, from the Bay Area perspective. You're, from what I'm taking from what you're saying is the fact that, one, KD may leave and they're upset. There's no silver lining whatsoever, or, or is the only silver lining is if they win and KD comes back next season also? Um, no, I think there are. I think there there's a larger chunk of Warriors fans who really, truthfully, and honestly want the OG Warriors to get their ro- roses. Um, they want Steph to get his ultimate glory. He should have got his ultimate glory years ago when Ante Iguodala get got his MVP. Yep. Uh, there are people who there are some Warriors fans who will still tell you to this day they didn't want KD to ever come to the team. Now that doesn't mean they aren't uh, swimming in the spoils of getting KD to come to the Warriors, uh, but there are some people that will forever believe they didn't need uh, KD, and there's a potential argument for that. Um, and so I would say that there is not only Warriors fans, but just basketball fans in general that want to see if the OG Warriors can complete the journey without him. And, and, and honestly, it's funny. Like, I don't necessarily know if it speaks to Warriors fans versus uh, uh, I want to, me personally, I'm here to see basketball kind of burn. Uh, <laughs> and I would, I would personally like to see these OG Warriors do it um, as a reminder of how good that team was from 2014 to 2016. I mean, the team won 100, 142 games in two seasons. And if Draymond Green wasn't kicking people in the nuts, they might have two championships. Yep. So, you know, and there are a lot of people that want to say that, oh, they didn't have to go through a full slate in their first championship and some of the things that they're all doing along with LeBron and Kyrie going Super Saiyan in 2016, uh, you know, that's a knock against them. But that oh, that 2014 to 2016 run of the Warriors is arguably the best basketball we've seen played in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a real re- – wanting a recognition for what those OG Warriors did and can still do, even if KD decides to leave. Dean Davis recording in 670 to score studios on the line right now. Eddie Masson at the third. Eddie, real quick before D jumps in, one more question on KD and the Warriors. If I was a Warriors fan, I would like to see the old Warriors win a title, but I still would want KD to return next season. Even Do most of the fans that want them to win the, the, win the old way still desire to have KD back, or do they think this team can still be as successful going back to the old way over the long haul? 
you think you're asking? Do we think that the oh, the Warriors going back to the old way? Can they be successful for the long haul? I just want to make sure I got your yes. Question. Like without K, like for instance, right now, if I was a Warriors fan, I'd be like, yeah, man, I want my team to do it the old way. People forgot how we used to do it, mm-hmm. but still, I would factor in the truth is this team, even though it may not be as pretty to some fans, when you have a top three player along with all the talent on this team, you know, basically it's a fate to complete that you're going to be in the finals. Do most fans out? Yeah, they want the, the, this team to win the old core to win, but do they want that to happen, but KD to return, or do they want this prolonged where KD is going and they're getting their old Warriors back? Yeah, let's let's just deconstruct it a little bit. The reason why Kevin Durant was so highly sought after by the Warriors is because when the finals get here and, and the playoffs get toughest, so let's think about 2016 Oklahoma City, let's think about the 2015 and 2016 Cavaliers. Those teams could switch everything defensively. They could nullify more than anybody else on in the league, okay? And the Warriors started to feel struggle because they didn't have anybody that could really uh, generate their own shot, okay? Mm-hmm. So that was that was the, the, the impetus of, of Draymond Green and the Hamptons 4 crooning to get the Hamptons 5, so to speak, okay? Um, so, so let's say the, Kevin Durant leaves. Uh, look, they could easily go and get to Paris and... Uh, come back with a really formidable squad. I mean, Tobias Harris is affordable. They'll have money for a pretty high back slot guy. I don't know if they'll be if they decide to trim the roster enough. They could get a max slot um, under the cap. Hmm. Uh, you telling me Tobias? Harris? So let's just think about it from the spectrum of from Harrison Barnes to Kevin Durant. Tobias Harris feels like that mid-level uh, option between what Harrison Barnes was, which is not a scrub, and what KD is, which is a, a top three player in the league, right? Uh, Tobias Harris on that current roster, they can switch everything. They still have perimeter shooting. They have another guy that can kind of do a bit of everything. That's probably still the best team in the NBA, if, I, if I'm if i just going to keep it a buck. Tobias Harris instead of KD, I'm still picking the Warriors to be the best team in the NBA. Um, so, and, and they'll still be able to play the same type of basketball uh, that they want to play. Now, does that mean that they aren't susceptible to struggling to get their own shot from time to time? Yes, but you know what? I need some of these teams that have some weaknesses. The, the Golden State Warriors got Kevin Durant, and they had no flaws whatsoever. The biggest flaw that they have now is that when Kevin Durant is on the team, that they become slightly predictable mm. because KD is that effing good. Yep. Okay, so so the reason that they are predictable is the only reason that you could potentially throw them down because, as even Stephen Curry said, they don't go into hyper speed and cutting and sharing the ball and doing those things because you have Kevin Durant who can go supernova. So what did the Clippers do? They they up on trying to stop Kevin Durant. What did the Rock it's hope to do. They tried to vote up on Southern Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant got hurt, and then the Warriors went to their old school ways, and the Rockets and the Blazers were like, oh, snap, we, we didn't miss this version at all. So, uh, yeah, I'm here for teams kind of having weaknesses because that's the only way you get better. As the Milwaukee Bucks when that weaknesses got exposed, Giannis needs a mid-range game. Yep. He needs a floater. It happened to James Harden. James Harden got exposed in the same way. And now he has the best floater in the league. Mm-hmm. So, look, man, let these teams evolve. Let them get better. Uh, and, and to me, that's always going to be the knock on the Warriors for me. It's like, man, Kevin Durant uh, did not allow the Warriors to potentially evolve. And I don't want to say go through struggle because, like, your general manager should prevent you from struggling. But at the same time, like, yo, like, this team is so freaking awesome that, like, you know, it's covering up any 
Hey, Eddie, can you give us an update on DeMarcus Cousin and uh, if he's back, his potential impact on the team in his upcoming uh, finals? Um, I don't have a, I don't have an update other than you know the, the guys here at ESPN and NBA said that if he wanted to play, if he really wanted to play and put it all on the line, he could. He probably couldn't be all that beneficial to the team because he probably only play about five, ten to fifteen minutes at most. And I think you actually have to have a different conversation on what benefits the Warriors. Uh, the, the benefit that Demarcus Cousins brings more than anything else, in my opinion, is that he can stretch the floor as a five. Um, all of those other things that you need him to do, especially if you've got someone coming off of that quad injury, the Warriors need to do that needs bigs that can switch and rebound and move the ball. And it's not to say that DeMarcus can't do those things, but, yo, Looney's doing a do, does that job at a high level. Yeah. Uh, Bokit does it as a, at a decent level. The, the thing that Boogie does better than anything else is he can finish better than both of those guys. He can shoot threes at both of those guys. But if he's only going to be 70%, then I think he started having the question of diminishing returns um, and, and how much are you actually gaining for it. I actually think he's probably going to suit up, and they will give him I, – I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him get that second quarter run with the second unit maybe five to ten minutes at a time when they can afford to, to let the game hang in the balance to a degree. Uh, but I don't see him playing substantial minutes, cutting into the Hampton side, any depth lineups or anything like that. Unless he shows he can dominate those second units, then maybe he'll earn his playing time in the finals, which is a crazy concept because who earns playing time in the finals? Right. But Boogie's good enough that he could actually do it. D and Davis show recording right here at 670 score on the line with us right now, Eddie Masson at the third. Make sure y'all follow Eddie on Twitter at Eddie at Ed the Sports Fan. Uh game strategy against the Raptors going into this finals. What does the Warriors need to do to make sure that Kawhi Leonard doesn't go Kawhi Leonard on them? I, I don't think they I don't think they're going to do anything specifically. Look, they they face a team that has a singular superstar before. They did it with Kevin Durant when he was on the Thunder, they've done it with James Harden with the Rockets. Um, they've done it, even, even if the play, there's a secondary player or a secondary shot creator, uh, they have enough, this is the thing about the Warriors, they have uh, enough long, lengthy, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 defenders that they can lap upon Kawhi Shores time and time again with Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, and if Kevin Durant decides to step onto that basketball court, then you have a 7-foot dude who's 6'9", who can also do the same thing. That doesn't mean Kawhi won't cook and chef and do all those things that he does, but frankly, I'm worried about players 2-12 through 12 because the, the, the Raptors, I don't think were... Uh, the the prime example of scoring efficiency against the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they really outlasted the Bucks because defensively, like we just talked about, they exposed Giannis offensively, and that created more opportunities for them to break, for them to make Giannis a non-factor in some ways and to take some of his confidence. Um, and, and they were able to outlast them in that way. I mean, also it's interesting to think they they the Bucks didn't really have. They were only really content on putting. Middleton on uh, Kawhi, and that and Middleton's really good, um, but they didn't really put Giannis out there because they needed Giannis to switch on the base to Siakam and in some places Gasol and Ibaka. Um, I don't think the Warriors are going to have that issue. They'll be able to keep fresher bodies, um, all world defenders on Kawhi, not in a way that the Bucks could, and so um, that will be interesting to see how that plays out more than anything. 
Real quick before we get you out of here, one, what's your prediction for the finals? And also, what the hell is going on in L.A.? Even more articles coming out from Baxter Holmes on the Lakers today, and it seems like it bring, it brought everything back out that we heard from uh, last a couple of weeks when Magic was on first take. But what are your predictions for the finals? Uh, yeah, I I am on record. I'm going with the gentleman's sweep, Warriors in five. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will tell you that I was – Genuinely happy. I was sitting here in the ESPN LA offices watching Game Six Raptors, but I was genuinely happy for Kyle Lowry. I've never been happier for Kawhi Leonard in my life. Uh, and, and just seeing like Kawhi Leonard looks like he's actually having the time of his life, which you can hardly ever tell. He actually looks like it, which is awesome. And <laughs> I, I'll, even, I'll even go so far as to say I'm pulling for the Raptors man. Like I, I am not so much of a media member that I can. I'm willing to be completely unbiased. I want to see these Raptors succeed. Uh, but I'm going to reference what I just spoke about before. This OG Warriors squad with Steph, Clay, Dre, Andre, Livingston. I mean, fine, we can throw Bogan in there, whatever. Kerr is there. Like, those five, six, the amount of institutional knowledge they have with each other and the way that they've evolved over time, there's nothing There's nothing I see the Raptors putting out there that they haven't done. Okay, you want to put... Lance out there, you want to put Abbasa, you want to put Siakam, you want to put Kawhi and Danny Green out there. They faced that team before. It's called the Oklahoma City Thunder years ago. Oh, you want to try to go out here and go one-man supernova with Kawhi? They faced that before. They faced it with LeBron James in the NBA Finals on multiple occasions. Uh, and they did it with, with KD and without KD. Um, and, and, and to me, I look at it as the Warriors have something to prove, which is the other thing about what Durant not being there matters because I do think that the the weakness of the Warriors was that they would settle. And the the thing that Kerr always had to coach was motivating them to play at their highest level, which they didn't need to. They had Kevin Durant. And that could could come out as skeptical or hating or whatever of the Warriors. I don't think there's a better organization I've seen in in, in the last couple of decades in the sports standpoint better than the Warriors. And yet I think that you're going to have Four Hall of Fame players, including Iguodala, when he turns like 73, he'll get the OG Old <laughs> Nick Hall of Fame pass. Um, but you're going to have three top 50 players in Iguodala with something to prove. And if KD decides to step back at some point, that's cool. But I think you're going to see Steph, Steph go claim his roses. Draymond wants his money. There's your motivation right yeah. there. Clay wants his money, too. But, like, you've got two dudes that want money. You've got Steph that wants to prove. Remind y'all, oh, I, y'all were considering me the best player in the world. I'm still the same player. Um, and, 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 and that team and that and I will say even this, I think that organization wants to do that for them too. I, I don't necessarily believe the Warriors are holding out KD on purpose, but it doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem like they are all that willing to rush him out there either. And I think the organ and the, and the organization doesn't owe KD anything because he never committed to the organization. They they owe it to KD. I mean, they owe it to Steph, Clay, and Trey because all three of those players are in the Warriors' future. KD is not. So they owe it to them to invest in them moving forward, even if it's during the NBA Finals. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. As far as the Lakers are concerned, the Lakers have been the worst organization in the NBA for six years, and that starts from the top down. And God bless his soul, uh, Dr. Jerry Buss, but the Lakers look like the mom-and-pop shop that is in a town that is facing Target, 
Walmart, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, and they're still out here uh, trying to sell you uh, milk for $5 a gallon. Like, oh, but it's our milk. We've been here a long time, and we used to be the best. Nah, bro, I'm going to Trader Joe's. I'm going to get that two I'm going to get that free coffee. I'm going to get them free samples. Uh, I'm going to get them shortbread cookies that like are the greatest cookies of all time, and I'm going to flourish. And they, they look outdated. And their organization, I think the stories that you're reading out of L.A. more than anything else is they, look, they, they tried to hire Rob Palenka to be Bob Myers 2.0, which is from where the greatest organization that I've seen in a long time, the Warriors. But what did the Warriors do for Bob Myers? They flanked him with the best people possible. They hired Rod Adams, best, one of the best defensive assistant coaches in the league. They hired Alvin Gentry, one of the best offensive coaches in the league. They got Jerry West, one of the best basketball brains this league has ever seen. They got Steve Nash to just come and hang out in the facility. Okay, they have continually hired at the highest level, and now you're seeing their assistants being posted to other organizations. Look what Travis Lynch doing with the Atlanta Hawks as an example. You don't see anybody getting hired from the Lakers. I ain't seen this. Don't nobody want Carl Randall. Carl Randall got, got brought back on the charity case. Okay, so their organization is 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 rightly being pointed out as dysfunctional, and I think LeBron James is is while he's not having regrets. I think you're going to see a situation where you're going to see that team, I think, become very – I'm intrigued. I actually – this is what I actually believe, and this will be my last thing. I think you're going to see that in spite of all of this – Eddie, you ready? It's going to fail forward because they can still trade for Anthony Davis. Oh, you're breaking up, Eddie. You dropping jewels, but we can't hear you. Do we lose Eddie? Eddie, are you there? Put Eddie on hold. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna bring we'll we'll bring Eddie back later. Yeah, but we definitely appreciate. Oh him for man, joining he us. was dropping some jewels right always, there. What do you what do you want to say? Always great stuff with Eddie Massonette. We yes, definitely yes, appreciate yes. it, and we look forward to perhaps around free agency to bring Eddie back. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and then uh, we're gonna jump into some up for grabs. Dan Davis show. What's up, everybody? It's Cameron Smith from CBS 2 Chicago. You're listening to the D and Davis Show. D and Davis Show. Hey, it is time to go up for grabs. One more, Mr. Ryan Bukovetsky. Ryan, what you got for us? Let's start off with some NBA talk. The NBA Finals are all set, and for the first time in its franchise history, the Toronto Raptors will go against the Golden State Warriors for the championship. Although the Raptors were just two games behind the Milwaukee Bucks in the regular season, they're off the bench to celebrate. So what does Toronto need to happen to pull off the upset? One, KD stays out of it. Um, And also, I think it's going to be defensively if they can do some of the things that Houston did last year with Steph. It's, it's how you crowd the ball, and it sounds easier than done because some people can't pull it off. And I guess last year, but I guess this would be going against me. Last year, KD was there, and it's, it wasn't this free-forming form as much. But still, and we've talked about it in the past, there have been times where the slow pace of the playoffs or the finals and the, that, the intensity of half-court defenses have kind of thrown stuff off. Like, if we're being honest— um, and we talked to Eddie Massonette about it. If we're being honest, that first, I, I'm with Eddie on saying that Steph should have gotten the MVP. 
And I'm I'm kind of with I kind of thought Steph should have gotten it last year. I swear, if you go back and watch when mm-hmm. they announced MVP, Steph is shook. He's shook for three minutes, and then he kind of gets he just it knew together. He was get it. Yeah, yeah he's, his face looks like what? what? <laughs> right? Like yeah. what? Because I mean, KD had that one game. Not to say KD didn't have a good series, but he went off that one game. But but for me, being a Steph fan and kind of the tradition of the NBA, he is putting his time. He's a former MVP. And he had his best playoff series, I feel like, he was a, he, outside of what he's done this season. He went like 27, 8, 9. Or, yeah. It was something it was crazy, crazy stat line. It was yeah. crazy. And we're talking about a point guard. Yeah. All right. So, he got off that series. But So I, 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 this is the thing. He's going to get his. But if you can get Steph to kind of be subpar Steph for out of the seven games, let's just say if this goes six for at least three of them, maybe two, and he just has a good half. Because that's going to happen. He's going to have halves, probably. There's a chance. I, I think if you if I had to put my money on it, I would go GSW. But there's definitely a chance without KD that Toronto can beat them. It's a chance. I will say, I mean, what's the initial, say, the, say the question one more time. What needs to happen for Toronto to pull off the upset? Uh, Jesus needs to come back <laughs> and say, with a, with a Raptors uh, jersey on, outside in Jurassic Park. It ain't happening. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. Will Drake let him in? Possibly. No, Drake won't. <laughs> <laughs> OBO Al will be there to stop him. Just rubbing Jesus shoulders. Oh, we got this one. We got this one. <laughs> Listen, man, I don't think I don't think they have a chance. I think with just so much of what Golden State has, you have Kawhi. And Kawhi, listen, I like to call him Stone Face Killer. He's there. And he, and we talked about it before, he got these guys on his back and they rolling. I understand that. You are going up against the OG Warriors, as I said before, won a championship before KD got there and won 73 games. And they lost to probably one of the greatest players, possibly top three players of all time, LeBron James, off a one shot from Kyrie Irving in game seven. The Raptors ain't that. I'm sorry, but the Raptors is not that. You have Kawhi, but the, but the other pieces around him, I don't think it's enough to be able to keep up with him. And as I said before with Milwaukee, my biggest concern with Milwaukee was you haven't shown me, you don't have the track record to say, oh, man, you're down by 17. I can come back. Oh, we're going to turn up this defense on you. You're not going to score again. Oh, we're going to step on your throat in the third quarter. They never showed that. Going up against Toronto, but on the flip side too, with Toronto going up against Golden State, I just don't think they have enough firework. They don't have they don't have enough power. Golden State checks all those marks, even without KD. I would say Toronto will probably get two games. Mm. You, don't have, you don't have your microphone. Two, that's a decent series. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be this crucible that you're predicting it to be. I don't see. I it. mean, I, because I, I, we're Toronto st- might get game one because it's in Toronto, but we're still. God, I don't know. I think it's going to be more to the series than that, and I hope it is just for the entertainment value. I was, I, I would say this: if Toronto wins, which anything can happen, if Toronto wins, it will probably be the biggest shock of an NBA Finals since the Pistons LA, and that was in two thousand four. I didn't see what the about Pistons. Mavericks Heat. Yeah. No, 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 no. Because I think with, I think with, with that Miami Heat team, you even saw the struggles. When they first got together and they was trying to figure out, okay, who team is it? And Dwayne Wade was still kind of feeling that. And eventually he was kind of like, okay, LeBron James. 
And then LeBron James was coming off an NBA Finals where he didn't have a good Finals before because I think that was the year he was in. He went Cleveland to the Finals and he went straight to Miami, right? No, he no. didn't go no? Cleveland. In the no, finals. he did not. Oh, how I mean, how, how far the gap it was, was a four-year gap? Like, they, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. He was pretty gap. young. That was pretty young. Yeah. But but with that Heat team, it was still. I mean, they were great and they was the Heatos and all that. But it just didn't seem right. But so that wasn't the biggest shock to me. But let's, but let's be real, too. We didn't expect for LeBron to crap in the fourth quarter like uh, 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 like we saw during that uh, 11 NBA Finals against Dallas because yeah, we, didn't think it, LeBron James the, 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 the pressure was put on him, Wade yeah. and Bosch. Wade and Bosch did their thing, but we didn't expect LeBron to disappear in the fourth quarter of those yeah, games. Yeah, but a lot of people didn't expect LeBron James to... We, we, people, people always thought, like, man, he can't take the flash uh, free throws because he's going to miss them. His defense, man, eh, still not there. He was a great player, but he wasn't His LeBron James. Was there at that time. When he got to Miami, mm-hmm. right? When he got to Miami because as he shut down Derrick Rose, that's when mm-hmm. people was like that last three about that three up from three years before his defense had been there. Mm-hmm. Before he left Cleveland, he had become one of the better uh, better defenders. defenders. But real quick, go ahead, go ahead. I don't think you can say this is the biggest upset because Katie's not. there. I say for me, okay, but Katie's not there. So it's, see, I don't think they have a chance even with. I don't KD. think they would have a chance with with without uh, with KD. But how about this? They don't have a chance at all. I think they do. <laughs> I think they have a chance. Okay. Okay. I, I, think, I can't listen. I, I could be wrong. I tell me wrong. what defense they've played like this coming through this playoffs. Uh, the biggest threat would have been Houston, but they just dismantled Houston. And, and that, Houston and Houston had the same defensive team as he was the year before. They weren't. They weren't. So I think this is the better defense. And compared to Houston, and Houston can bomb threes, they can bomb threes too. I think sometimes they're more efficient, and they they do this, but they don't they don't fall into we have to take the three all the time. True. And I, to me, the biggest problem teams face in GSW is they want to shoot tray for tray, and it's like no, they can't do it. GSW will and go they, cold, and they low you into shoot, it yes. though. But they low take you the into e- it. Consistently take the easy shot and add numbers. People fall for it all. You can't shoot like them. You have to take threes. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, right. But you have to take that layup that people want to throw back out sometimes, that easy bunny. You have to take those sometimes. When a a guy beats his guy off the dribble and he gets into the lane, instead of looking for whoever's rotating off the perimeter shooter, you just have to take that layup sometimes when you're facing a team like that and still make your three-point shots. But what's so great about GSW? You just said they can't. Everybody, they lull people into shooting threes. It was crazy. They take the threes and the twos. They get into the lane and they take the threes. They don't take as many yeah, twos that, without KD though. But Steph can get to the lane. I see Clay can hit. I'm not. A, I'm, not hit, I'm not. I'm just saying. K, since KD. Oh yeah, he'll yeah. pull up. He's seven feet tall. Yeah, yeah it's such an yeah. easy shot yeah. for him. But what's so great about them? They can do that as well. You can have a Sean Livingston come off the bench. Hey, he's Sean a, Livingston ain't Sean Livingston. No, he's not. <laughs> but, but, no, no, no. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is that bench. Steve Kerr is finally Hooper. He's finally trying to play them, and he can insert them. A lot of things with KD, man. He he made them unbeatable, but at the same time, he depressed everybody else's role. That's what superstars. That's do what they do when they come they to do. a team like that. Right. Yeah. So with this though, without him, they're able to kind of go back into what they was doing before. But GSW does everything. But here's a question, real quick, before we go to the next one. What has Toronto faced a a more defensive team, a better defensive team than Golden State? Because Golden yeah, State is a did. great defensive team. It was last series. You think Milwaukee? Milwaukee had the best uh, defense in the NBA this year. But every time, but it it didn't and show to, in that series though. It didn't no, show in that series. But the problem was they couldn't keep scoring because John they stifled Giannis. That's the real problem. We've seen that. Giannis, we talked about it. Giannis needs a counter. He needs. I said last week. He, he needs a better player. He too. needs a baby hook. He needs a baby hook and a counter, 
And he said it. We I, I talked about it uh, weeks ago as far as James Harden redeveloping his his floater when he mm-hmm. found out that that was his biggest problem with GSW because that was his worst shot was his floater. I think he was like 40% if not higher this year on floaters. And just like Eddie Massonette said, he needs to get a floater in the lane. Like, so we can't necessarily say that their defense didn't work. They couldn't keep up scoring with a team that it wasn't like a juggernaut in scoring, but no, they, no, they no. couldn't. They, when it came to attrition, they couldn't score enough points. I think Toronto has a chance, but th- these three things must happen. One, Kyle Lowry, even though the monkey off his back is off for now, I want to see him go at Steph during these finals. We all know that Steph Curry is not a great defensive player. Neither is Lowry, but Lowry has more in his arsenal uh, to help out Kawhi Leonard as far as Toronto offensively. Number two, how will Danny Green be used in this series? Because he has finals experience along with... Will Danny Green uh, show up? Yeah, no yeah, matter yeah. how he's using, can he knock the shot down? Exactly. Uh, the, he needs to knock sh- shots down. And number three, can Serge Ibaka bring that energy off the bench like he did in that Milwaukee series? I mean, if those I three things happen, they, they have a chance to upset the Warriors. Look, I'm not saying it's going to be it's going to show in a box score. Serge Ibaka is going to try to play his African ass off. And Mark mm-hmm. saw too. I mean, Serge has been yeah. here when he was a kid with OKC. Marcus Hall's never been here. This is a one-shot chance with this team because this team will not be the same team next season, and they all know it. All right? Yeah, that's, like, a, that's yeah. They next all know it. And maybe DeMarcus Cousins might come back and try to see how they implement that right. Yeah, but that ain't going to help nothing. Just really quick, I think you guys have really kind of put it perfectly. I think the three big things – they are a good defensive team that has to be their calling card each game. They can't have any type of game where they slip off defensively. None. Otherwise, Golden State's going to win. The other thing, like you said, Ken, pace. <clears throat> I think pace is everything for Toronto. If they can hold pace, they've got a shot because they can control offense and defense. But what we talked about, what you just said, when people see that scoreboard, especially in the third quarter, and see – they have a nice little lead. They might suddenly like, let's try to hold off some energy. You got to keep attacking, mm-hmm. attacking, you attacking. You do. Summer's and- coming right around the way. Right. <laughs> Run and get everything out of your tank. Summer's yeah. going to be here. And yeah. as you point out, get some easy buckets because they're going to go through lulls scoring. Yeah. And Golden State is not going to have that yeah. issue. Luckily, Raptors have home court advantage. Let's see if they keep it. Moving over now to baseball. Both the Cubs and Sox had a pretty horrible week last week. High drive out into right center. Tracking it is Hayward. He and Bryant collide. Ball gets down. Chris is still down. And a run will score. And let's hope Chris Bryant is okay. Both teams split their early week four-game series for the Cubs against the Phillies and the White, uh, the Astros for the White Sox. And over the weekend, it didn't get better as the Cubs strolled against the Reds, losing two out of three, and the Sox got swept, swept. in a not-close series versus the Twins. Yeah. What was the worst part of Chicago baseball last week to you? Ooh. Well, does it count as last week? But I would say... Chris Bryant uh, getting hurt. Getting hurt. Collision. In yeah, after him coming on, uh, seeming like, oh, Chris Bryant is here. The last thing you want to see right away is him get dinged up. Like, you don't want to see And kind of around the same time when he got yeah. hit in the head. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you don't want to see. And the last thing you want is some uh, um, um, Sidney Crosby-esque. You know, just the last thing you want is that, that's. Concussions. It's worth. Nothing came out about the concussions, though. Yeah, it's, though. It's, it's how you felt in a way when uh, Katie pulled up and you were like oh no like for being a Chicagoan I'm a Sox fan but still the last thing you want to see is a player that has so much future ahead of him and says Chris Bryant has something as serious that doesn't and the problem with concussions since we can't see it we don't know but and we don't think it's as serious as what it really could be or whatever but I would say for me 
probably because I mean the Sox. I'm not expecting the Sox to go crazy. Yeah. So it would probably be the. Um, I, I do not like the fact they lost to the Twins, and that's who, your measuring stick. And that for me as a Sox fan, that's our divisional rival. So when my Sox fandom was growing. The twins and their farm system were just kicking our asses all across the street. Every just, year. Yeah, it was like, what are the they piranhas. doing in that farm? They keep sending the kids up and everybody played the twins way or whatever. But it's Chris Bryant getting hurt. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. That was going to be mine. Chris Bryant getting hurt. You, you definitely want to, you don't want to see that if you're a Cubs fan. You don't want to see that if you're the Cubs. You're not a you baseball fan, you don't want to see You don't want to see that, especially, uh, who's this uh, agent again? Um, Scott Boris. Scott Boris. Mm-hmm. So, man, you don't want to go into the offseason with these kind of like, man, can you stay healthy? Now, you're going to get the money. He's going to get the money because the talent is there, regardless, right? MVP, Rookie of the Year, World Series, got the last out of the World Series. Even if you have to play in Anaheim or something, he's going to get the money. Yeah, he's going to get the bread. But you don't want to see that, especially if, you, if you're if you him going into the offseason or going to a free agency when he hits it. Um, and as far as the Cubs, man, listen, I think they're in a good spot right now. They have their, their lows. They have, the, you know, saying the starting pitching has been a little bit better, but that's kind of coming back. You still have your bullpen issues. Scorber is not the guy who you thought it was going to be. Ben Zorbis, I'm hearing, might retire. It's a 50-50 chance he might retire. He won't come back. Um, stay out that man's business, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's nobody's business, but you know what? Stay out that man's business. But it's the thing, though. If it's affecting him not being able to play, mm-hmm. and you're talking about retiring, then it is going to be kind of their business because then it's kind of like I'm okay, dude, do, do we do we? Can I get we that point. I'm not, I'm not yeah, arguing that, yeah. but it, just people, listen. If coming back to baseball, and I know him and his wife have both filed divorce in separate courts. He's 36 or 37. 36. Might be 38. 38. Yeah. Damn. Say. Really? Okay. Right. If this is his one chance to do whatever he feels like is good for him and or his marriage, let that man do. Like last thing you would want for someone to be like. It was a chance, and I'm just saying if if his if rekindling the race relationship is what he he both of them desire, like man, I could have had her back, but I had to go do this baseball. And I mean, of course, you get paid from a baseball team or whatever, but that's his wife, that's his family. I need no, I need to know no parts of that business. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, for real. I mean, I, I, I know we all like salacious stuff, for I swear, but I I don't let that man do what he needs yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. By the way, thirty eight. 38 years old. May 26th. All right, so so there you go. I mean, you're starting to hit now. I mean, you're almost 40 years old playing baseball. I mean, you don't got to do it. Ben's over, man. He lasts for life. (laughs) I mean, he got got back-to-back championships with the Royals and the Cubs. Mm Mm-hmm. Got money. Got, you got know, a deal that you knew he wasn't going. Well, you didn't expect for him to still be as, as valuable, valuable as he is right, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Lead off position is still an issue for them. And he's been great for them since he's been a Cub. So, uh, I mean, you have your issues it, 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 as far as with the franchise, with the uh, with the Cubs. And then you see Chris Bryant out in the outfield. God knows why, but he's just a baller and he just wants to play everywhere. It doesn't matter to him. And he gets hurt. And, man, that's, that's not what you want to see. I agree with you guys. The worst part of the baseball weekend locally was the Cubs uh, losing the series to the Reds, uh, letting my guy Yasiel Puig go off on them, uh, him hitting a couple home runs in that series. But I think the the biggest thing was that Cubs bullpen because it's been a problem for them all season. And now with Brendan Morrow maybe not coming back this year, uh, who's going to step up uh, to to uh, solidify the, a consistent spot in that bullpen? Carl Edwards Jr., he hasn't been there all year. He was sent down to the minor leagues earlier this season. And some of the other guys who stepped in hasn't done the job either. Is Craig Kimbrell the answer? I doubt it. So uh, you can't wait until July 31st. Who's going to step in and step up now? Mike Montgomery, who's now injured. Uh, who, uh, who, who else are you going to get? 
Looking at uh, last week's Chicago baseball, I'm going to go a little bit different, even though I think you guys bring up totally valid. Chris Bryant, probably the biggest story. I'm going to go White Sox a little bit. And just as personally. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, This is the opposite. Oh, look at what you guys are doing over there as you try hard. (laughs) Just rub it in. Why don't you? Where's that mic button? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I'm a closet White Sox fan. Whether you believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Believe it and we don't need it. When I started, we are real. We are Regal Radios, writing for the White Sox. You are, you are. Oh, that's what Cubs. grunts have to do. <laughs> have to work your way up to your favorite team. Grunts can like their work though, <laughs> and like their teams. Anyways, I do like the White Sox, and I was actually really excited to see this weekend series against the Twins. Just see that measuring stick, and just seeing just blasted out. I, you know, I, I expected the, the pitching to struggle. For the White Sox, but I didn't think that they would just get shut out. That's one of the worst parts of the out. team. It's the starting pitching. Oh, it's, yeah, it's without things. a doubt. But I thought Eloy, Mancata, all these other kids going on this road trip against the Twins. Thought maybe they would at least come up with some good amount of runs and keep mm-hmm. some games competitive. Fortunately, it did not happen. The best team in MLB. But see, I, I didn't know if that was the real team going into that weekend. Or the Twins, the best team in Major League Baseball. We'll put it yeah. like this. Let's not think about them top to bottom as being the most talented, but perhaps being the hottest. Hottest yeah. right now, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have talent mm-hmm. and young talent, kind of like the White Sox, kind of like the Cubs, where mm-hmm. it's in that in-between stage where mm-hmm. you don't know fully. So I wanted to see what the what the White Sox were made of. And I don't think it was necessarily a bad weekend because it's all about what they do in the future. But it's, it's May 28th. They have a 10-game lead in the division. Yeah, that's over. It might, yeah. I ain't want to say that, <laughs> but it's probably over. Unless the Twins they, go 180. Complete collapse. And then that's, will, a, as, and that's a, a Cleveland. That's a Cleveland kind of yeah, like that's getting. A, yeah. That's the whole thing. A Cleveland kind of getting something. We got to. This, this is baseball. Yeah. We got to get to summer, summertime. Yeah. Because then you're going to be like, wait, remember that team was hot at the beginning of the year? Right. And There's we, always that equalizer. And look, at what the A's, look at what the A's did at the back at the end of last year. Yeah, they just got extremely high. They got high at the right time, Tampa Bay, too. The yeah. Mariners were hitting the ball out of the ballpark every game to start uh-huh. out the season, and now they're one of the worst teams in baseball. Yeah. So we have, to, yeah. we have to see. Moving over now to football, the NFLPA sent out an email to NFL free agents, or I'm sorry, to agents mm-hmm. on the NFL to prepare for a lockout that could last a year at the end of the 2020 NFL season. The NFL Players Association is warning about a potential lockout. This according to Sports Business Journal's Liz Mullen. The Players Association sent an email to all NFL agents telling them to prepare their players for a lockout that could last a year or more. The 2011 collective bargaining agreement expires after the 2020 season. Matt Yurish, KDKA News. Per ESPN.com's Dan Graziano, changes the NFLPA would like to see made in the CBA include an increased share of league revenue from the current 47% rate, mm-hmm. obtaining greater guarantees and contracts, and decreasing free agent limitations, mm-hmm. i.e. the franchise tag and mm-hmm. fifth-year rookie options. In your opinion, is a potential lockout the best way for players to make progress in these areas? For sure. Yeah, it is, but the whole thing is they have a crab-in-a-barrel mentality, you know. I don't know what's up with football. I don't know why you think they have a crab in the barrel. This is the reason why. Because I think with football, because you don't know when you're next. You don't know if you're going to be able to play the next game. Mm-hmm. And it's un, and it's not guaranteed contracts. When you don't have that guarantee, what do you do? You're looking out for self. And that's kind of a natural thing. So I can't really de- I can't really depend on my union mate. I go to bat for him when I know we can win. But that's until... But until... Like but but it but it's not like it's not like the NFL and also too, mm-hmm. you have a high 
um, what's the word? What's the word I'm, I'm looking for? A high potential of scabs going out there playing football, in my opinion, than you'd have in any other sport. I don't know. In the and see, this is the thing. I don't know, and I make that joke on our text line. I don't know if the NFL would put out that product. They would be hesitant to put out the product they did back in '86 because they would. Because also, you got to think. These sponsors ain't, are not gonna be like, oh yeah, that's good. Like I didn't pay for the, for Joe Schmo to be out here. And but you have Mark to, Wahlberg the <laughs> fifth. <laughs> I mean, but you, but you, so but you're know. banking on, but you're banking on the fact that the owners will bend to the sponsors that much. I'm talking that they about the would, TV that, rep, the no, TV no, no. contracts. I'm saying, I'm saying though, even yeah. even to sponsorship and to television, yeah. we have to see if the owners bend that much. To then say, you know what, we're gonna get rid of the uh, maybe get a year or get rid of a year on the uh, on the franchise tag, or we're gonna give you guaranteed contracts. That's not in their best interest. No, I'm talking about the scab part. I'm, that's what oh, I'm, I'm saying. saying. That go, I think I that goes think, along too. I, I think they'll put out scabs before they do that. I don't know. I don't even know if you can get for for, for compared to what was going on in the '80s and how we view football nowadays. Mm-hmm. And yes, you have the XFL coming back and the AFL folding. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they would put out that low quality of a product in the NFL today, just as far as scabs. And this is the point to uh, the thing you were saying before. We, yeah. t- we've a lot of Tuesdays we've had the pleasure of talking to former Bear Tom there. Yes, yes. And one yeah. of the questions that I asked him was about, you know, what was your motivation for striking? Was it about? Was it for the future? And he was like, No, it was about me. Mm-hmm. No, most play most of the time that we have anything, the players are striking to get better things for them. Yeah, it's good that people coming up behind us can benefit from it. True. But I don't think it's I don't think it's the negative connotation of crab is in the barrel. I think it has a lot more to do with the limited shelf life of a football player. Where in basketball a healthy, well, that was my point. That was, that was part of my point. But go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. A healthy basketball player has 16 to 17 years of his career. But they also have guaranteed contracts. True, and I'm not I'm not taking away from that. But again, if a basketball player only got got 60% of his contract mm-hmm. if he was cut but still knew there's a chance that they could strike and they would get some type of benefit of it, I, I think that it's easier for them to make that decision knowing that I have X amount of years left where a football player can be like, I was on the, I was on the cusp of getting cut right now. Yeah, yeah. And so thinking about a year away how I could play. So I don't I don't think it's fighting each other as much in football. And I'm saying this, I think that that happens in every sport, a battle between players within the union. Now, I'm just saying. Let's be real. It kind of happens in life in general. Too. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, yeah. But I think it has a lot more to do with, and that's why football is set up like that. The, the shelf life of outside of a quarterback is basically. Three years or four never, years? It's, yeah. For a football player, it's, it's four, it's three to four three, years. Three, four years. But I don't even think outside of running backs that's true anymore. I think probably every position out of running back is probably up to probably like four to five four to usually. Five? Okay. But quarterbacks, I'm sure if we watch quarterbacks, it has to be a decade damn near, if not eight years. Yeah, quarterbacks is a different breed. Especially yes, when we're just position, talking about yes. backups who are just taking up space on, yeah. and on average. But I don't I don't think it's the negative connotation that, that they're fighting each other to get to the money. I just think it's, dude, I only got so much time. <laughs> but and what, these kids, these kids are coming up Right here behind us. Well, what about the guys? That, what happened with uh, Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh? What about him? How the how the offensive line, how the team itself, they kind of just turned on him. I mean, his brother's out there trying to get his contract but, and get his money, and they like they straight up went into that man's pockets. They turned on him. Yeah, but that's the first of all. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think it's different when you're talking about players are getting amped up and thinking, you know, we can win a Super Bowl this year, and mm-hmm. when one of your 
biggest factors from that mm-hmm. who may have made promises that he would be there at a certain date mm-hmm. doesn't show up and you know damn we went from having Hall of Famers at three big time positions mm-hmm. to two, two. Yeah. that you're going to be somewhat upset now I would have been like Antonio Brown and kept my mouth quiet because you don't talk about another man's money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I can still understand. And then again, you say offensive line. Remember, the offensive line is a unit to itself. Like, that's a different breed of cat when you're talking about the offensive line sometimes. And they're going to, one, they're going to follow the quarterback for the most part. If they, if they respect the quarterback, and they're in line step with a quarterback, the quarterback. With, a, uh, with an owner's mentality, too. Yeah, so, I, I mean, Pittsburgh is, a, you just, the points you just made, let's not forget what the general manager came out and said, that Ben's the only adult. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's a different type of animal. I want to piggyback off Ken's point about the NFL and potentially uh, hiring scabs. Remember back in 87, the NFL wasn't as popular as it is now, even though that... Um, the scabs only lasted three games. Uh, it took a while for the NFL to recover because people didn't like that. Of course, it wasn't as much sponsorship as you have now. And look at the NFL now. You have uh, you have a, a popularity that's number one amongst many people. Some people think that the NBA is right at them, and some people think that the NBA has passed them. I don't agree with that. Um, globally, it, globally, it has. globally has, yeah, but, but say in the United yeah, States, but, no, but but nationally, I think it's it's right. At the NFL, they're right neck and neck, but they're not. The NBA is not past the NFL, so. But I, I you, if you're the NFL, you cannot afford to have any lockout right now. Everything's going well financially. Yes, they've taken a few PR hits, going back to Adrian Peterson, Ray Rice, and the spy game, and all, all that foolishness. But if you're the NFL, you, you need to tighten up your business and uh, hiring scabs. It, it's not. It, it's going to set you back. It's going to take you even longer to recover. I'm taking Joe Smo, Joe Smo first in my fantasy league. <laughs> Let me ask y'all this. All right, and that's going to be a bad look for business. <laughs> Let me ask y'all this. Do you think with? I mean, we've talked to um, callers down here, six seventy score. We've done overnight for Les Grobstein, and also too, we just. I mean, we talked to callers and I mean, talked to fans in general. Do you think the fans? Will back the players if they do strike. No, because that's because no. okay. So, so here's my point. Like, mm-hmm. So if you don't have the fans backing you to push you to get something better for yourself in your union, you have the owners who is is not in their business interest to give you anything. We don't know if the sponsors have enough sway or television rights have enough sway to sway those other two parties. What are they going to do? Question. When have the fans ever backed the players when they went on strike? Never. Never. So I'm, I'm, what's the point? What's the difference? But, They've never, the play, but what I'm trying to say players is. Players are always the first person because they're visual that people see. They right. don't. They, so and and, and they, fans you, have an older mentality worried, yeah, themselves. If you're worried about the, the there's never been a situation where fans are like, we're behind you players. Fans are mad that their toy is being taken away. So mm-hmm. that's the same with any strike. So. The best thing that NFL NFL players could do is strike. And they need to send a message. That's the best thing they can do. The question is, can they stick together? They need to strike. I got a question for you guys with this scab argument. Do you see maybe a possibility, like look at Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. Let's say the NFL went into a lockout. Does that open the possibility for college stars to drop out of college and come to the NFL hell, and maybe supplant some star stats? No, no. That's, that's, that's messing up the college bro, yeah, product. You're not going what product? Did you know what colleges would do if you came and messed with their money like that? No, they'd be like, man, look, they got to be here for four years automatically. Like, now it wouldn't work. 
because nothing's more powerful than the NFL in that system. But they wouldn't cut off their own nose to spite their face with the free the free development they get with college football. Do you think it'll rise? It will push up the more popular push up the popularity of college football. Yeah, of course it would. It would make people people would go because they need they need they the need fix, fix right. They need, they need the fix. fix. So pe- it would be a boom for college football. Actually, that's what I'm thinking. I boom. love college football, but that is not enough. I'm with you. I'm I don't like I don't enough. like seeing. Broken kids. plays. <laughs> no, that is an appetizer to the real football played on Sunday. Yeah, to me. exactly, yeah. exactly. Good point. And, so, and some of those networks, it, it just like you said, the, the NFL will go on a prolonged strike or a lockout, whatever. I don't uh, don't think that some of those networks, like CBS and ESPN, with those big time Saturday night games, they'll move them over to Sunday night or Monday night. What college football? Yeah. Like your Alabamas and Notre Dames, like, they ain't playing on Saturdays. They'll be playing be on like, Sundays and Monday you nights. Do those kids like that, right? Because you said Saturday right. that they at least had a day to get back and ready for class, and now you got them yeah. playing on Sunday. I thought you care about academics. Them academics. Make, exactly. Yeah. They make them do anything anyway. <laughs> All right, definitely was a good up for grabs. Please uh, continue to enjoy up for grabs. As Ryan is doing yes, a great yes, job yes. executive producing us and also giving us great questions. Uh, right now, we're going to go to Matt Snyder and talk a little bit about the MLB and what's going on with the Cubs and the Sox and Dean Davis Show. Yo, what's up? This is Rashid Hadi, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. Yeah. Dean Davis recording from seven, recording from six seven to score. Right now on the line, MLB writer for CBS Sports, friend of the show. We have Matt Snyder. How you doing, Matt? I'm great. Uh, just settling in for a full night of baseball, all night games. So a lot to pay attention to all at once. Yes, yeah, beginning to be the best part of the year when everything else is kind of trending down and baseball is the main yeah. course. Yep, yep. So look, let me ask you something. I, I was all on your timeline today, and you had an interesting tweet that if Swarber and Armour both keep settling in, the Cubs would go from a 2-5 gauntlet to a 1-6. to six. Uh, What's the probability of it, that taking place? Eh. I mean, <laughs> like, first off, they need everybody healthy. Yeah. Like Javi's heel is still bothering him, Bryant had the collision. So uh, since I tweeted that, that kind of fell on its face a little bit. But, I mean, I don't think there's any question that Contreras, Rivo, Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant are going to be studs all year. They all have just, in different ways, locked into the best versions of themselves. They're all at prime ages still. So I think that forehead monster is going to remain. Almora, he's trending really good and there, there's a chance it keeps up because for years the problem with him is he pounds the ball into the ground. And he's not near as fast as he seems because he's a center fielder and he gets to a lot of balls in the outfield, so people just assume he's fast. He's not that fast. So him pounding the ball into the ground is just leading to a lot of ground outs and double plays. Now he's lifting. And with the seven home runs already, I mean, I believe that's a career high. Let me see. Yeah, that's a career. No, no, no. He's one off his career high of eight. Uh, but that's an only 154 at bats. This is 880 at 299. Um, I I think that it's going to continue to be good, but I don't think he's going to be good enough to like definitely make my gauntlet comment come to fruition. Schwarber on base percentage trending up, started to hit home runs again, very encouraging. I think he's going to settle into what he he was probably for most of last year. Um, which he hit 26 home runs, low average, but good on base percentage, 27 homers, 467 slug. I think that's where you can probably expect him to end up. So not quite a gauntlet. Definitely the four guys will be, and then those next two give him a strong one through six. Matt, real quick, on Swarbrick, 
Are we looking at the fact of this is just what he is, or do you think that yeah. there can still be improved? There's this is just this guy's never going to be hitting for average like he did when he first came up. No, he's not going to. I don't think. I mean, it's 385 games. He's 26 years old. Mm-hmm. At some point, you are what you are. Now there are guys who have outlier career years. So maybe one year he hits 40 bombs and it's on a 275 average or something. But this is pretty much, I think, what he's going to be. It's you're going to see him. He's trending upward this season at 221 right now. So maybe you see him at 240 to 250 range with a good on base percentage and 20 to 25 home runs. Yeah, I think that's what he is. Not not the star, but a good hitter who should be playing pretty much every day. The, with the Cubs during the season, uh, every, everything that we hear is, of course, they need to do something with the bullpen. But of late, mm-hmm. the starters haven't been going deep. Now, is it just baseball or is there a concern with the fact that they're not going as deep as they were maybe a few weeks ago? I, I think there's been a lot of circumstances. Like I, I feel like the last two weeks or so, maybe starting with that Marlins series, it felt like they were just – getting such terrible luck on balls in play. Like, you keep seeing ground balls finding a hole or bloopers finding their way into spots in the outfield. Some of it, I think they could do a little bit better on scouting and or shifting in the infield. But some of it's just baseball, and that's luck. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's just that's baseball. Um, Darvish's command is back. That's huge. Now that he's not throwing the ball all over the place and actually throwing strikes. Hamels, at his age, you're going to get stuff like yesterday against good teams. Um, Lester goes through these uh, spats, what we saw last year. He was awful for like two or three starts, but then he settled back in down the stretch. Hendricks is fine. I think Quintana just had to kind of get away from him last start. So I, I, I might, we might see some more stinkers from Hamels and Lester. The other three, I think I, Darvish is – if he's going to – if his command's fine, he's fine in, in this rotation to be like the number four – if you're assuming Hamels might be the worst starter going forward. Overall, I think they're probably going to be all right. They do need to deepen the bullpen, though. D and Davis show on the line, which right now we have Matt Snyder from CBS. Make sure you follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Snyder CBS. So is it as easy, uh, if you're a Cubs fan, to say to the Cubs brass, hey, listen, Dallas Keiko and Craig Hamill out there. Go out there and sign them. <laughs> It's pretty easy to throw around money that that we don't have, and it seems like it's the best way to do it, man. Really clamps down on the spending. I think they should find a way. Even I don't care how how creatively they need to get to sign Kimbrel, and it's probably going to be after the draft, so there's no draft compensation attached. Mm-hmm. That's when people are going to start talking to him. I don't think it's necessarily a concern of the Cubs, but again, if you're on Kimbrel's side, you want as many suitors as possible to drive the price up. Hopefully he doesn't want something that ridiculous from the Cubs' perspective because if you say, look, look right now, Strope will be back soon. Then you sign Kimbrell. Maybe make a trade with what they have for somebody like Will Smith or Ken Giles. All of a sudden what looked like the uh, bad, bad part of the ball club becomes one of its strengths. So, And, you know, you know, you never know about Brandon Morrow either if he comes back down the stretch. But if you look just having – Strope in the seventh, someone like Will Smith in the eighth, who's having an unbelievable year, and then Craig Kimbrell in the ninth. Now all of a sudden you're feeling a lot better with these one-run leads. How concerned should the Cubs be when it comes to Chris Bryant? I don't know. Um, I haven't. They're not really saying that much. Um, But it feels like last year him getting hit in the head against the Rockies was kind of the start of a lot of bad things for him. Yeah. So they, they said he wasn't in concussion protocol. So 
if it, as long as it's not his head, I, I don't think that there's much reason for concern. I think he's going to come back and be exactly what he's been to this point, which has looked like after like two or three weeks, he, he looked like the 2016 version. Yeah, he looked good. Real quick on Chris Bryant, you know after him getting hurt that the first thing is going to pop up is why he was out there in the first place. Is it much to do about – I thought it. Yeah, it's it's it just seems like much to do about nothing that people are still complaining about Joe moving all the players around. That's what he does, though, right? And he's gotten success. It just, it just feels like he's a superstar. And how many other superstar third True. basemen do you see out in left field and right in right field regularly? Like, picture the Rockies putting Arenado out there. Yeah. yeah. Picture the Padres putting Manny Machado out there. It just doesn't seem right to be moving a superstar around. So, and it's. I know there's circumstances behind everything, and I know he's versatile and he doesn't care doing it, but it just seems like somebody like David Bodie should be the one who's thrown out there and not Bryant, in my opinion. Great point. Yeah, you know what? I was just thinking about it. You said that, you know, Chris Bryant really doesn't care, but he is a superstar. You want your leader or your team to come up and stand up for it, like really himself and say, hey, no, listen, I'm a third baseman. And why isn't yeah. it coming from the from the top, from the front office? Like, dude, stop this. You ha- We have a, a generational player out here, and you're still kind of, you know, saying place him anywhere just to play baseball. And maybe it will now after that collision. I mean, collisions can happen with anybody, but it's – when you have Hayward in center, which, uh, let's be honest, is out of position, and Bryant in right field, which is definitely out of position, it just makes you think, would that miscommunication have really happened if it was Hayward and right now more in center? I don't think so. And then that ball would have gotten caught, too. Then nobody gets hurt, and an extra few runs don't score. Dean Davis on the line right now. We have Matt Snyder from CBS Sports. Matt, we have to go to the south side. Um, All right. Yeah, we got to. Oh, it's not that bad. But still, it's not the way we want to. Listen, at no. the beginning of the year, and I won't even say the beginning of the year, probably up to three weeks ago, anytime our producer probably mentioned Lucas Giolito, I was probably like, get your ass out of here. And, <laughs> I mean, because it's like his matinee looks, you're looking at the Adam Eden, tra- Adam Eden trade, and you, you want success, and it, it, we look at the fact that they tried to change his, his, his pitching his, uh, when he was with the Nationals, and now with the Sox telling him to go back to, a, to high school. Can we expect for this to kind of be this guy moving forward? I know he'll have hiccups. Has he kind of gotten over the hump, or are we still kind of waiting for sure to see if Giolito has gotten over the hump? Well, I, I think we can. I, it looks like he's made the proper adjustments. This was a guy that was a top five uh, draft pick, um, and he was always looked at as one of the top pitching prospects in baseball straight out of high school. So it shows he has the raw stuff. You're going out there, 59 strikeouts and 52 innings. He looks exceptional. All the peripherals support this that say it's not fluky at all. So I think he has it figured out at present. I do. And I think you, you can look forward to him being an all-star at some point, if not this year. He owns only nine starts, but two, six and one with a 2.77 ERA, he's in position to be talked about for an all-star spot. And it, it just makes you a little bit more frustrated, though, because when I look at the White Sox and you think, man, with Rodon and if Kopech didn't, tear his, didn't have to have Tommy John surgery – there's a chance they have three guys talented enough to form a big three in the rotation for years to come, but it just hasn't. The other two are hurt right yeah. now and are going to be out for a while. And it also makes me frustrated at the front office because they gave a half-hearted effort to, to go after Manny Machado. We didn't hear their name connected to Keiko or Kimbrell at all. This was a team that looked like they had some young guys on the precipice. Moncada, Jimenez, Tim Anderson were ready to 
to start turning things around. You look right now, they won today, so now there are only five games under 500 in a weak division. Now the Twins are running away with it, but it just feels like they're not that far away from contention if the front office would have actually been aggressive in the offseason instead of just half-hearting going after Manny Machado. And so it is frustrating because it feels like they should have done more to improve the big league roster and then you get frustrated with the Rodon and Kopech injuries too. So I feel any White Sox fans pain right now because they're not that far away. Look, they're going to play the Royals and Tigers a lot this year. They're better than both of those teams. So that they should have a lot of wins sitting right there. And it, I just feel like you're going to be like, man, we're like nine games out of the wild card. What if we were three out, you know? Mm-hmm. Matt, just as infuriated as friends are with Joe Madden moving players around, you kind of got the same on the south side with where Ricky is placing players in the order. Why is Tim Anderson batting seventh as much as he is uh, at second and also moving James McCann around? What's the reason behind that, and is it right, I guess is the question. I don't, I don't have a good one. Um, a lot of times they, they look at platoon matchups like Dave Roberts in the, in the playoffs just drives me nuts, sitting like Cody Bellinger just because it's a lefty, like, Oh, love of God, dude, play your studs. <laughs> uh, my, my guess is it's probably somewhat matchup-based. Um, I don't love it. I know people say this is really old school. I'm kind of a mix of old school and new school, but I, I feel like players, baseball players are human beings. They're not robots. Knowing that you have a set spot in the order I think helps. And you look at the Cubs last year down the stretch, the offense was broken. This year, they've basically settled into Bryant 3, Rizzo, or Bryant 2, Rizzo 3, Baez 4, Wilson Contreras 5, and just leave those guys there. And I think it's helped all four of them kind of hit the top level. So I, I'd like to see the White Sox do something similar, and I think that came from above. Mad would still be moving them around, but I think Epstein said, all right, you're done screwing around with these guys. Leave them. I, I would like to see the White Sox do the same with guys like Moncada, Jimenez, and, and Anderson. Let, let them realize I am a number two hitter. I'm a number three hitter, and just leave him alone. Yep. The Sox have been waiting for the pipeline for a catcher to pop up. It's, can we expect that James McCann is the guy, and they'll probably look to hold on to him, or is this just baseball and the guy's hot right now? But it, th- with the sample size, it, it this doesn't seem like it's going to last forever. Uh, coming into this year, he was a 240 hitter with 288 on base. Um, and that's in 332 games. He's 29 years old. So my guess is this is a spot filler, yeah. and he's just hot right now. But you never know. Guys sometimes find another gear. Guys are late bloomers. Alex Gordon was a really late bloomer. Um, it can happen, but my, my hunch is he's not going to be the, the long-term answer. No. Matt, what would you deem to be a successful season for the White Sox? I mean, right now, if they stayed around here – I think that would be a success. If uh, let's see, if they won like high seventies in games, and the Giolito thing looks real, Tim Anderson looks real. Maybe by the end of the year, Jimenez looks real. Yon Moncada's growing. That keeps that up. Mm-hmm. Those are wins. Like a successful season is the young guys all coming around. Uh, obviously, losing Rodon to injury hurts. But let's say by the end of the year, Kopech. You, you think there's a chance he can be in the rotation next year. Uh, stuff like that. Just making sure the young guys are taking steps forward. And like I said, you're seeing it. And you'd like to see it in Reynaldo Lopez, too. But it's a success if you have four or five young guys that look like these are legitimate players that are going to be our core the next time we contend. And how, how real are the Twins? 
I mean, was it was it a fluke last year that they was just bad, or was it a fluke the, the year before that that they was in the playoffs? Um, I don't think they're as good as their record says, but they've been beating up on a lot of bad teams. But that's the thing. There are a lot of bad teams. They're going to continue yeah. to beat up on. You, you look at the American League East, the Orioles and Blue Jays are terrible. And the AL West, it looks like the, the Mariners are definitely terrible and the Angels are pretty bad. Um, I don't think the Rangers are going to continue to be good. The Tigers and Royals are brutal. And, and the White Sox aren't that good. So the Twins have a lot of games where they're better than the team they're playing. Um, and then they do stuff like they took three or four from the Astros. Behind Barrios, they've actually gotten Odorizzi and Martin Perez to pitch like frontline starters. So that's three. Kyle Gibson has been really good his last seven starts. In the bullpen, they're doing a beautiful job of mixing and matching matchups. Then you look at the offense, and it's the most powerful team in the league with home runs. Their, their front office has figured something out with a lot of guys. Um, I, I think they're legit. I, I think they're a top-five team in baseball. Dean Davis, right now on the line, we have Matt Snyder from MLB, from MLB writer for CBS Sports. Matt, real quick, I'll get you out on this one. With the Twins, I, I had the Twins question to go along with D. If you look at from the long haul from where the Twins expect to be next season, and it starts to seem like before the season started, we didn't think the Sox were hitting on their prospects, but it seems like they're coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. A few are, yeah. yeah. How, yeah. If you rate both teams, I guess if unfortunately our pitchers are back from, oh, I just said ours. Yeah, I'm a Southsider. But our pitchers, <laughs> our, the pitchers that are injured and have Tommy John like and, and Kopik and Dunning and Rodon, these guys get back. What are the Sox chances to surpass the Twins in the next season or two? I still think they need to supplement with a veteran, and I think the, the Padres should do this too. Uh, throw somebody at the top there, even if he's not going to be the top. Like I'll use the example of the Phillies signing Jake Arrieta mm-hmm. to kind of be a I've been through the postseason battles mentor for an Aaron Nola type. Um, Garrett Cole is a free agent this offseason. You want to get excited. Think about those young guys you just named behind Garrett Cole yeah. in the rotation. And all of a sudden, man, now you've got this, the position players who look like they're coming along. You can start to see it coming together. But they've got to be aggressive, and they just haven't been in a long time. I have, No, they have never been aggressive in free agency to the point that they're in on the top names. They need to start acting like big boys because they play in a big boy city. That's right. Matt, what kind of contract do you think um, uh, Garrett Cole's going to get? Gosh, with this market, it's hard telling. Yeah. Uh, Keuchel sat out. Yep. Who was the top starter last? It's it's still Cole, and he's in his prime. It, it might have to be lower in years with high average annual value. Maybe five one twenty five. Mm. Um, Darvish got six one twenty six. That does not look great at all. Mm-hmm. But I think Cole's a lot more of a sure thing. So I'll guess five one one twenty five. What's funny? A few years ago. David Price and Zach Granke were getting over 200. He would have gotten that a few years ago, but the market has definitely changed. Good for us. <laughs> Sorry, Gary. <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, Matt, thanks so much for hopping on with us, man. We love talking baseball with you. You got to get you on down the line. All right. Have a good one, guys. You too. Man. All right. That was Matt Snyder, MLB writer for CBS Sports. Make sure y'all follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Snyder CBS. So I guess we, we still can't catch the Twins just yet. We got to wait. I'm happy he didn't get it. It's probably got to be a year or two. But also, these arms have to come back. How, like, you can't have, like, all of them had Tommy Johns? Well, how about this? Like, one? how many times does everyone have Tommy, Tommy Johns, Johns and everybody come it's back? It's almost kind of like, you know, just, all right, just go get Tommy Johns. And Rodon's on, his, come back. Yeah, but Rodon's on his, his second. second. It's his second one, yeah. These, he's the one that I'm suspecting probably won't be here for the long run. Rodon. 
If anything, he'll be number five, which we always kind of thought. He's gonna be a number five. You look before. like he's gonna be the ace. Nah, nah, no. Nah, I never believed in that. Did I you, didn't you believe in that? I didn't believe in it, but I'm talking about what the team desired and what his slider oh, looks like. Oh, you might want something, but that don't mean you're gonna get it. Well. He probably he's he's a four. At the at, at the height of his talent, maybe a three. I never seen an ace. Mm-mm. All right, we come on back, close this out. DN Davis show. Yo, what up? It's your man Jay Illa. Official Chicago Bears DJ, and you are listening to the DN Davis Show. Turn it up. DN Davis Show, last segment of the show. Uh, Game, what you got for us, man? RJ Hampton, who was ranked number five in recruitment from ESPN's Top 100, announced that he won't be going to college, but instead will join Australia's NBL as part of the Next Stars program. Mm. So he said, uh, watching his interview this morning uh-huh. on um, Get Up. Thank you, D. Get Up. He was just basically talking about how he's never dreamed about playing college football basketball for a year. I just think my uh, my dream has never been to to play college basketball. My dream has always to be to get to the next level and to play in the NBA. So I mean, I think this was the best route for me. Uh, to, to live like a pro and, and play with grown men every day and, and not kind of have to juggle books and basketball and just focus on my main goal. It's like <laughs> books. <laughs> and I was reading the article. Can't wait to be a dookie. He, yeah. <laughs> he said that he wanted to accelerate uh, his seasoning as fast as possible and he sees that by playing by with grown men mm-hmm. and also talked about how he the player he enjoyed to watch this year was Luka Doncic and how Luka isn't the fastest or most athletic but can get to any spot that he wants to because how he see, his visions he sees the game and that Luka played with how it benefited him playing with grown ups mm-hmm. even though this would just be a year but he said that he uh, definitely sees this as a, a positive next step and I mean listen props to him for bucking the trend and doing what he's doing, the team that he's, he's the going first to, to do it though, right? No, it was another guy, but no, but he's Brandon the first. Did it. Brandon no, but it was, China, a, it was right? one that did the Next Stars program. Oh, it's okay. uh, he got drafted in the twenties this year. But okay. I believe he's the first without any real background yeah, he's the issues first that did, or that any eligibility. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't right, any right. thing as far as like you're saying, as far as perhaps his amateur status right. was affected or uh, uh, academically I, there were any Greenberg issues. did say that. He's like, listen, it's not as like the other cases. This kid can get to any school yeah, he wants and to. He, you know, he said that, look, he, and I, I forgot, because I was reading an article on, I forget the gentleman that did it last year or the year before. And but I was reading an article about him and talking about how welcoming the team was and how the Next Stars program really benefited them. So he's mm-hmm. the second person to go through this. And the team that he is going to play for uh, in um, in uh, New Zealand, I believe it's owned by uh, former Florida player Walsh and also the Matrix, Sean Marion. Oh, really? Yeah. Our, That's our, what's up. Some of the owners of this the team. And you said this is the Next Program? The Next Star Program. Next Star. Through so the NBA. They, they get to, yeah. The team's basically yeah, open about... We're trying to help you to get to the NBA. So he he basically gets an out in his contract for if an NBA team drafts him. So he can go back and play for that team. Let's just say he can go back and play for that team and then come back out again next year. Okay. But I'm sure this kid being a number five recruit, he's going to – if he stays healthy, he's going to get drafted by an NBA team uh, even if, he's, if he kind of doesn't play well because some NBA teams will look at the fact that he took those lumps early as a benefit. Yeah. I think the guy you're talking about on Oklahoma City, Terrence Ferguson, yeah. was that the kid? Next stars up? I believe that was it. Hold on, let me see. Because Ferguson went number 21 overall in the 2017 yeah. NBA draft He's by the Oklahoma City yeah. Thunder. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, listen, I like this. I like the simple fact of one, young man, go get your money and don't be exploited. If you have the talent and this is what you want to do, we don't tell this to tennis players, we don't tell this to swimming, we don't. 
You don't necessarily tell us who, uh, Man, baseball, you go to college for a couple of years. So three years, you have to go mandatory for baseball. And then That's you, if you decide. If you decide to go. But you can't go from high school to minor leagues. You, you have that. Yeah. You have that uh, choice. Um, if you have this. And, and also, too, most of the European players, they start playing basketball. Giannis started playing professional basketball when he was like 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And when they come into the NBA, not saying that they are, you know, saying going to be great players, <laughs> but they do have that. Veteran seasoning to them, even if they're 19, 20 years old. Anything You're correct. You, I'm sorry, dude, yeah, it was Terrence Ferguson. Terrence Ferguson from OKC. Yeah, I, saw, I saw an article on him last year about nice. So if you have that opportunity and you don't have the desire to go and deal with uh, college basketball and NCAA rules, and as he said before, I ain't worried about class. I'm trying to get to my point. I mean, I'm trying to get to my um, Next my time. goal. Mm-hmm. You do that. Listen. As long as you're able body and able mind, you can go to school. Guess what he didn't do though. What he didn't do? Go to the G League. No, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't do that. Your, your, your beloved G League. Hey, well, listen. He said, "I'll go to New Zealand." <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you have, and we were just talking to Danny Perkins, uh, uh, co-host who uh, per, uh, McNeil and Perkins, right here at Six Seven Score. He just came back from a big trip, yep. right? And we were talking about the simple fact of traveling and how that's great for, especially for a young person mm-hmm. who's from the states, and a lot of people from the United States don't even have um, passports. You know what I'm saying? They might, oh, I'm going to go to the Dominican Republic and go hang out on the beach. Uh, yeah, that's cool. But you know what I'm saying? It's a lot bigger world than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, if and this young man, his fa- he said he said don't get up. His family's going with him. But he's, I mean, they're going to be living with him, but he's getting up. This is his job. If you have that opportunity, my man, go for it. Yeah. And if you want to stay in the league, which I, this is the thing, though. I think when it comes to that American mentality, you probably will have some kids, that men, they don't want to go overseas. Like I ain't trying to do all that. I will go to the G League. But if that, but if those options are open for them and for them not to be exploited in college basketball, that would be great. Now I'm waiting for the next dude who's probably going to be the next Zion Williamson to say I'm going to do this too. That's when I think it's really going to be like, oh, not this dude is the top five. Not happening. Yeah, he might not have time because they're probably changing in 2022. Also, that kid's going to get paid so much from the college under the table. That what's the sense? What's the sense? He's a top. You don't think a, a top, top five, five high school? Well, nah. You don't think he's going to get paid? Not like not like not like Zion Williams. And we, it's all alleged. Everybody. Zion's it's, it's money alleged. was in and duffel plus, bags. Would it hurt Zion's brand if he was overseas? I don't he think so. Now with basketball, you think so with basketball? It's a global sport. Yeah, but they want to be overseas. You got to think those games don't come on in our prime time. Like Duke was a point. Like Zion was the biggest sports star in America. Yes, he was. Yes, he but was. But you can't be the biggest sports star in America in Australia. Like you, you can't. Like we. How can many? You do, foreign, can you do it in China? No. Mm-hmm. How many? Like I mean, how many? I'm saying this. How many stars do we watch in foreign countries? And it's not for only special ones events. Soccer. Only one. Only exactly. Thing be soccer. Not for special one-offs or you know like the Tournaments. World Cup or no. I'm talking yeah. about their season. Do we? So you know, it's only thing we don't even know the, the type of competition. And that's the thing too. We can gauge Zion against college players. We don't know the level of competition in that league. Do, and is, is it appealing to watch? Is there mm-hmm. any? He's playing against guys out there that drive trucks on the weekends. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like shrimp on the barbie. Is it? <laughs> is it any European league? That's better than the NCAA. Yeah, it would be uh, some of those. Is it Barcelona? Uh, is it Barcelona's league? Spain, I think, is up. Italy, there. maybe. Mm-hmm. Spain Probably. is definitely up there. It's some of those Euro leagues. Maybe some in South America, depending on the nah, year. I don't think so. Not in Brazil. Not in Brazil. I would say no. I would give Argentina a better chance than Brazil. How many Brazilian mm-hmm. studs are coming out? 
Felicio. <laughs> I mean, how but, many Brazilians? But they do hoop. But they do hoop in Brazil, though. Uh, yeah, but I they mean, do, they do hoop. In everybody Brazil. was like, mind you, I love Nene Hilario. All right, let's you know yeah. how much I've learned know of him since his real last name. He had a last yeah. name. All right, Nene but Hilario. still, nobody was like, boy, down there in Brazil, man, they balling out of control, like. Nah, so, so I mean, it definitely some of those Euro leagues that we've been getting players from. You heard people say that those grown up men is harder than playing in NCAA. And let's not forget too, some in some of those European leagues overseas, you have former NCAA yeah. uh, college players. Yeah, we yeah. wonder about where yeah. are they now? They're playing in those leagues, yeah. and you got some of their homegrown talent as well. So Zion, maybe he would have done well, but it's not as easy as as you think. I ran into why uh, our old high school. Uh, um, Brother Rice Crusader, but he eventually went to Leo. Andre Brown, who ended up going to Leo and then ended up playing in DePaul. Paul, yeah. I ran into him in a Walgreens one day. We was just sitting there chopping it up. You gave him some change? No, no. <laughs> no. Andre is doing very well for himself. <laughs> Andre is doing very well for himself. You had the world in your hands. No, no. Dre is, Dre is good. Dre is good. Uh, but no, What's he, he doing? What's he doing? He was balling over in China. Okay. And he was home for, I think the season had just ended or something. And we was just talking. He's like, man, D, I'm telling you, dude, that was one of the best decisions I made. Now, he didn't make it here in the NBA, but playing over in China, he loved it. Loved it. So you do have former NBA players or top NCAA players that go over to China and they go over to these other te- other uh, leagues. And, uh, yeah, they, they do very well for themselves. So the competition is there. Uh, but listen, I hope this is a trend because I'm all about dismantling NCAA. I think it's a racket. Here, here. It's break it down. Burn it down. Burn it down. Give them the death penalty. Speaking Ooh, of the NCAA, Jesus, Nick Saban said that <laughs> that uh Tua Valoa needs to challenge uh, needs to challenge himself in the offseason. What does that mean? He cited that even though Tua had that ankle injury that probably played somewhat of a factor in his off play in the uh, college championship that still he doesn't want him to uh, to plateau and feel satisfied. Basically saying he needs to ground harder, which I think is true, mm, that he needs to ground harder. And Nick Saban needs to challenge Tua because being an Alabama fan, I'm like, I guess I'm a Tua fan, but I'm not like just, oh, Tua. I don't know why, though. I hope you don't say it like that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think he needs to, when you look at what Trevor Lawrence did, he needs to step his game up and let us know that Clemson isn't just going to be rocking it to Alabama like that. Like you have to be the deciding factor in that moving forward. When a kid that this is his first season starting in college just took demolished your team and you just looked, even though you were hobbled, you looked like you would. This was your first right. time playing. I think that was part of it for Tua. Is Trevor Lawrence just kind of took away any mystique because he came in. Second half, wins that national championship, and then suddenly he's the second-best quarterback in college football. Right. Yeah. I mean, Kenny, you, like you said before, you're an um, Alabama fan. What do you, do you, what's the expectation of Tua when he goes to the next level? Man, they are, they are, yeah. they are standing in line to get. Now, because of what Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence did. Because I think Trevor Lewis, Lawrence that, is probably going to be a better. This was before Trevor Lawrence won that starting job. Okay. That, that Miami was a team. People basically said Miami was going to tank this year and if they were in the Tua Derby. I mean, Tua is not as short as Kyler Murray. Like, he's six feet tall, all right? And he's looked at, 
He's a better passer than Kyler Murray, probably too. He's a well, he's a more pure passer than Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. So as far as he can pass from the pocket a lot more consistently than Kyler Murray, because he really look at too, even though he's elusive, that's not his game. He he loses it to get open, and then sometimes he'll take off. But he's much more of a passer. But I mean, remember, Trevor Lawrence cannot come out of college for another two years. Mm-hmm. Two, he, was true, he was a true freshman, right? Yeah, two yeah. can come out next year. So people. So would he be considered the number one uh, no, prospect coming out, come out next year? Two can come out after this year is what I meant to say. So will he be your number one pick overall next year? He's gonna be if he, if he has a, if he throws up the similar numbers to last year. Yeah, I would think so. He's in the top five. Like he's the number one quarterback coming off the board. And let alone, let's just say this: What if Kyler Murray and he may be with all the tricks and gadgetry? What if he has a successful season? And you got a guy, even though they're 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 two different games, mm-hmm. but you have a guy that's taller than him that you've seen in the big pressure games in college football get it done. Like, no. I mean, nothing really outside of injury and falling back can stop Tua Tungo Valoa if he performs well this season from being a high-drafted quarterback next in the next NFL draft. And it's a pretty decent draft class for quarterbacks, yeah, at got, least allegedly. For yeah, what's the name from Oregon is back. Yeah, I f- always forget his name. Um, Five names to know. Tua, Justin Herbert is the Oregon Justin, guy. Yeah. Uh, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, and yeah, Jalen Hurts. Oh, Jake Fromm. Yeah. Yeah. And Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, depending on what he does at Oklahoma. Can you get that Oklahoma magic put on him? Number one draft. Hey, before we get up out of here, I just want to send my condolences and good wishes to Howard Moore, former UIC Flames men's basketball head coach. He's also assistant up in Wisconsin. Um, Howard lost his wife and young daughter in a head-on collision car crash over this past weekend. Um, he Howard is fighting for his life, and his son um, is has been released from the hospital, so he's doing okay. Uh, covered Howard uh, for We Are Radio down there, UIC Flames basketball. Um, great guy. Uh, man, just uh, stand-up, very professional, looked out for us as young scribes, trying to make it, make it into the uh, sports journalism business. And uh, wishing him best wishes. And unfortunately, uh, like I said, his wife Jennifer passed away. I actually played softball with Jennifer. Wow, this one I was playing at Oak, uh, Oak Park League, a 14-inch softball league in Oak Park. And uh, just kind of coincidence, like, oh, wow, you know what? Uh, yeah, she told me that she was Howard Moore's wife. Uh, beautiful woman, beautiful mother. Uh, great to be around. Hell of a softball player, too. She was she was great. So, uh, like I said before, for anybody here at D&D Davis Show and we are RegalRadio.com. Uh, speedy recovery for Howard Moore and condolences uh, for him losing his wife and his young daughter. Yeah, we definitely wish you the best. Uh, also, we definitely want to send our wishes to Bill Buckner's family and Bar Star's family. Yes. Um, all right. Hey, make sure you download the podcast, subscribe, rate, all that good stuff. Dean Davis Show and Dean Davis The Flip, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, YouTube, and also through uh, on Spotify through War on Anchor. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Dean Davis Show, Facebook.com forward slash Dean Davis Show. I'm on Twitter at Demons One, D E M O N Z E One. Ken is on Twitter at That's Davis. Uh, Ryan's on Twitter at Ryan B. Ski. And thanks for sitting and coming on down with us on his vacay. Find, Twitter, uh, find uh, Sid on Twitter at SidKid80 and read all his articles on WeAreRegalRadio.com. We will be back with the flip this weekend. We have any guests this weekend? I don't think so. We'll be back no. with another flip. Hopefully, it'll be bringing you all a lot of hilariousness. Yes, yes, yes. We definitely keep rocking with us. We appreciate it. And uh, before you hear from us again, please don't do anything stupid. We gone. Keep your hands to yourself.